You're listening to the Longbox Crusade Podcast, Episode 12, featuring G.I. Joe, A Real American Hero, Issue Number 2, cover dated August 1982. Welcome to episode 12 of the Longbox Crusade, a podcast that covers one or more comic book issues chronologically by their cover date, month, and year from the over 20 plus long boxes that have been collected for the last 40 years and stashed away in my basement. Each episode, we will summarize, review, and reminisce about the issues, ads, and even the time period. I'm Pat Sampson, and with me are two real American heroes Jarrett Albrecht, the yard sale artist, and Jason Albrecht, his brother whose first time on Twitter. Let's hear it for Jason. <laughs> <Yay>! Excelsior! <laughs> At this time, he has three followers, so later mm-hmm. on in the show, you'll get to know his handle and look him up. Does he follow any of those three followers back, Pat? I don't know. I don't Somebody know. tell me what my handle is, dude. <laughs> he has no idea what he's doing. That's <laughs> oh. Hey, I got on there. That's step one, right? <laughs> yep, that is true. I want, I want to thank you for giving, giving Jason and I the acknowledgement of as military veterans and referring to us as real American heroes. And and I want to say it specifically because when I read these G.I. Joe comics, this is exactly what my military experience was like. <laughs> <laughs> these comics were the, the, the enlistment tool that got me to sign up. Yeah, you know what? <laughs> you, you you may be joking, but I really I, I often wonder how influenced I was from this whole G.I. Joe challenge. I mean, obviously our dad was in the, was in the military as well. Sure. Oh. Yeah. Uh, uh, but like so like we and we really looked up looked up to dad he's a great guy our father actually had uh, his, his final military flight this week i went to my that's dad's right final that's flight. right oh cool give it up hey, he's been flying day. with the army since 1984 um and today was this week was the last one but anyway like i often wonder like yeah we had that influence from dad but like between Dad and G.I. Joe, like Jason and I, I think we're both very clear on where our careers were going to take us when we left the left home. Did your dad read these <laughs> at all? As you guys were collecting them, or have you know? I think he'd just dabble like here and there, but like not like he'd look at them, but didn't really read. My dad hasn't read. Th- throw them at us and tell us to quit leaving them lying around the house. Yeah, that, that kind of thing. <laughs> My dad he did like, play with the toys though. Yeah, if you remember, oh, he'd play yes. with some toys because he'd be like, "Let me show you how you would do this in real life." <laughs> <laughs> this is support by fire. See, Beachhead's going to move up here, and I'm really like, "Dad, you just you're just playing GI Joe." <laughs> no, no, I'm trying to show you, trying to teach you something. <laughs> <laughs> my dad, let, check out this story, and we're going to make the podcast go 14 hours again. But my dad took the, uh, the remember the GI Joe vehicle, the whale. Mm-hmm. Which oh, was yeah. which was the hovercraft. Oh, that was oh, such. A, that's another one of those those daggum things where you got like the the whale, and I got like the ack or whatever that thing was called. <laughs> that's what I'm talking about. You got all the cool toys. Yeah, I think Jason got like the knockoff, like like the French version was like GI Bo, uh, a real French hero. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. B- he just kept B-E-A-U-X. dropping his X. <laughs> he just dropped his weapon all the time. You know? <laughs> But yeah, my dad, like, we got, I got the whale, and then my sister, stay with me on this, Pat, because this is insane, yeah. but it really kind of summarizes my father. My sister had this, like, toy telephone. Like, you would, like, 
it was battery powered and, and, and it would talk to you if you flipped the switch or whatever. And, but it, she broke something off. So, like it was physically damaged, but my dad was like, well, the motor in this is perfectly good. He takes the motor and the battery power pack out of her phone, like takes it all apart, goes into my whale, drills like a little hole, makes a little place underneath. He, he, he hooks it all up. He put, he builds, builds a little propeller on there. And he's like, now if you flip the switch, it'll go in water. <laughs> now you see what you see what I'm talking about, Pat. You can see how Jared was like the favorite child. Like Jamie, <laughs> the poor girl even gets her toys cannibalized just so Jared's big expensive <laughs> toy can be even cooler. Who, is she? Or who's the baby of the family? Jamie. That's uh, Jamie. So he uh, took from the baby to give to the middle child. Oh uh, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that whale was a was was a fun toy. We got a we got a lot of mileage out of that whale. Yeah, because I had that. Well, Jason's gonna get mad again, but I had that and the hydrofoil, the Cobra hydrofoil. Oh, yeah, so that, those made a and great the battle the platform and, and the battle, battle platform. platform. Yeah, that was a moccasin, wasn't it? Um, is that what it was called? Uh, it's a, uh, what did they call it? Okay. I don't huh? think it was a silver snake. I don't know. I'm googling it. All right. Somebody I remember the driver the was Lamprey. Mm-hmm. I just can't remember. Maybe it was water moccasin. Somebody yeah. get those. Uh, it, was it, was the, yes. it was called the Moray. Oh. Moray. That's what it was. Yeah. Yep. There we go. There we go. Well, again, yeah, definitely uh, thank you both for your service to uh, this country. I appreciate it. And I'm sure uh, others out there as well do too. Our pleasure. Well, my pleasure. I guess I can't speak for Jason, but I was happy to do it. Yeah. Same here. Same here. Thanks, Pat. So I'm really, uh, really excited and glad to have you guys here, giving having that more military take on uh, on GI Joe. So awesome! And yeah, these and like I said, these books, all the things we're going to read in your GI series exactly happened to me, all of them. I think I, I'm I'm about ready to drop a lawsuit because because um, somebody did not consult with me or get my okay. This is my intellectual property. <laughs> Jason thinks that he's stalker. Just so you know, Jason yeah. thinks he's stalker. <laughs> so then, no, I think stalker is me. <laughs> <laughs> so then, um, that means uh, Jared must be Snake Eyes. I always fancied myself a Snake Eyes. Mm-hmm. I, I, I I changed to having Beachhead be my fav- favorite Joe when I got older. I like but too. but uh, yeah, I, I Snake Eyes when I was a kid was all I was all Snake Eyes. I like Dial Tone. I'm also a big Dial Tone guy. I like Dial Tone and Breaker a lot because when I was in the military, the figure I was, was, I was the hey, figures hey, were the coolest. Wait your turn over yeah. there. Sorry, wait your turn. Sorry, sorry, man. <laughs> when I was in the military, I was a I was a communications officer. So I, once I oh. got in, I, I got a new respect for Dial Tone, Breaker, and Mainframe because oh. uh, that kind of spoke to me. But anyway, what were you saying? Oh, you were talking about how good Dial Tone figure looked because he was a good. Yeah, looking. I don't want to say Dial Tone's a throwaway character, but a, a lesser remembered one. He had a great figure design, which oh, I think no, was I what Jason that. was saying. Yeah. <laughs> He's a, yeah, that'd be a, one of my favorite figures. I liked him. I'm a, I like the dial tone too. But and so I know we're hijacking the show, but I just I just you know kind of told you that I, I liked all the comms guys. 
Mm-hmm. Um, I also had an affinity, and I'm going to throw this back to Jay. I'm still taking on the show. I'm going to throw this back to Jason to find out kind of what wheelhouse of Joe's he likes. So I liked all the comms guys because that was my military specialty. Uh, I, I'm ultimately loyal to Beachhead because on his file card it says he's from Auburn, Alabama, and I went to Auburn University in Auburn, Alabama. So I'm a huge fan. Right. And uh, and I liked uh, – I was big on Flint because he was the only warrant officer, and uh, our father was a warrant officer, so I always related to that. So those are kind of like my wheelhouse Joes. So I was like, I'm interested to throw it to Jason because I actually don't know the answer to this question. Me and his brother my whole life. Which which one? I mean, I know you're a stalker guy, but which other ones kind of sing to you based on your military career or whatnot? Uh, I guess, you know, like when I was younger and playing with G.I. Joes, I, I like the ones that were visually kind of cool. And, and I also like the ones that like it just seemed like sometimes the equipment fit better. Like mm-hmm. like the weapons fit more naturally in the hands, or the backpacks just kind of held on a little tighter. I, those are the kind of things that I, I liked initially. And then, you know, the ones that looked cool were, of course, like stalkers, snake eyes. As I reflect back on it, though, I, I think I, I also liked Duke a lot. And, and uh, I think the NCO component was kind of there. And he was also kind of really prevalent in the cartoons a lot and, and in the and the comic book when he got introduced. So I, I did play with Duke a lot. I really like that, that figure. And um, as far as bad guys go, I think Firefly was like one of the coolest, man. Like, yes. The Firefly was. Yeah. Yeah. Was cool. So, I mean. I could do a one-on-one matchup between Firefly and Duke all day. But, the, you know, some of the other ones were pretty cool, too. Uh, the uh, Torpedo, mm-hmm. the, the the Navy SEAL was kind of fun. He was pretty mm-hmm. cool to play with. Yeah, I guess those probably would be, be my top, the, the pop in the pop into my head right now. The ones I really didn't care for too much were, like, the Mortar Man and Zap Bazooka <laughs> guy. The too weapons, generic. Guys, I, yeah. The originals? Yeah. Yeah, like, like I mean, Grunt. I, I, yeah. Grunt was okay, I think, because Grunt was another one that held his weapon pretty well. So I don't know. I, I just when I was a kid playing with them, this is like if if I spent half my time like trying to get them to hold their weapon and stuff, that would frustrate me. I'd, Flash, hold your weapon. <laughs> <laughs> what about you, Pat? So. Wheelhouse Joe's, do it. There's no right or wrong answer. Um, yeah, I, I communications guys for for me as well. I like those guys, Breaker. A dial tone, and then Duke. Love Duke. That Flint was all right, but eh. I've noticed that. And someone else brought this up. I think it might have been in in, in Aaron Moss's um, Real American Headcast mm-hmm. that, that someone pointed out that like there's two kinds of people in this world. There's Duke people and there's Flint people. Yeah, and uh, it's like a weird division in Joe Joe fandom. And you and Jason are in, and on Team Duke, and I I always just I, I'm Team Flint. I don't know why. I just I felt like I I think it's even at a young age I felt like Duke was like almost crammed down our throats. Like look at this new character Duke, and he's going to be front and center in the cartoons, and you know he's front and center on all the posters. And I was just like, eh, I've got Joe's that I like already. And I, I guess I was just like a real like cynical six year old, and I was like. Pfft. Don't cram your marketing on me, Hasbro. But eh, anyway, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt. Probably, you like the so so people like that are probably you know I, I felt like well they're going to get rid of Duke then or you know what are they going to do to Duke? I thought you know Flint was it, trying to get on you know take over it, Duke's it, business. It did really throw off the vibe, especially for for probably even more so for Jason and I've 
being military kids because they'd have Duke and and Flint and them going on missions and then be like, well, Duke's gonna 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 honcho this mission, and we're like, what? No, um, Flint outranks Duke. He would they would not put Duke in charge of Flint. It's like it didn't make sense. Hmm. See, I thought the and other they, way around, but I didn't. They did. They did that a lot. Like Flint's a Flint's a warrant officer. He's he's one of the actually one of the higher ranking Joes because most of the guys are enlisted. Hmm. But they, they and they kind of muddled that a little. Um, I know they did in the cartoons, and I, and I guess we'll I'll find out in the comics as we read on. Mm-hmm. But I, I totally derailed uh, you. You you like the com guys, and you like Duke, and and did you have anybody else? I didn't well, mean that. Of course, I love Snake Eyes, but nothing wrong with that. I don't know, like the yeah, Storm everybody Shadow. loves Snake Eyes. You know, Storm Shadow, and you know that's the, that's the thing with what with GI Joe. In addition to Steak Eyes and Storm Shadow, who did we like? <laughs> you could love both. You could root for both teams. That's right. You know? That's what was. Cool I think about you it. know, going back to the to the Duke and the um, and the Flint conversation, it almost reminded me of the uh, when you had the West Coast Avengers and the Avengers. You know, Duke was much more like the Captain America kind mm-hmm. of guy. And, yeah. and Flint was much more of the Hawkeye kind of guy. And they were both leaders in their, their own way, but they had their own unique styles. I could see that. See, I, I, I don't know. I always thought Flint was a little more high and mighty about himself. He was more arrogant than That's Duke. probably why I like him. Yeah. Well, that would make sense. <laughs> there you go. Because <laughs> Flint's awesome and I'm awesome. Any questions? <laughs> <laughs> Mystery solved. Yeah, there we go. All right. Well, with that, um, why don't we go into uh, this episode and who it's sponsored by? Okay. So this episode is sponsored by Alaman Ellis. Am I Al- that? I'm gonna say Alman Ellis. Alman Ellis. Alman's a good dude. Yep. Alman helped us out with providing some snapshots for us for some for the ads of this issue. So I want to give a big thanks to and last issue. Yep, and last issue as well too. So big yeah. thank you to Almon Almanellis. <laughs> I like it better when you say Cristados, but that's just me. <laughs> but yeah, I'll, I'm gonna piggy, <laughs> I want to piggyback on the uh, Almanellis. Thanks. Uh, Al, he actually uh, he actually tweeted me on Twitter today and said, "Hey, you know, I'm looking forward to listening to you guys' episode from last time." And I had to tell him how far ahead we were, and it would be a while before he could hear oh, it, sure. but. Uh, he's a good dude. Went to Mississippi State, just across the 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 way from us here in Alabama. So, very likable guy, very helpful guy. I'm glad he was here to help us. He's getting a a a free drawing of the Baroness that I did, and uh, I promised him that one from last episode. And then, since he helped us out again, uh, I sent you guys the picture of the of the stalker sketch card I did. He's going to get that too. So, thanks. Oh, um, that's really cool. Well deserved. Well deserved. Definitely a uh, big thanks, and thank you, Jared, as well for drawing those out and providing. Uh, them. I like to do it. Wish I could get them again. I'm screwed. Uh, well, I get screwed. <laughs> Pat keeps losing <laughs> all my online contests I do uh, for free art, but eh, I'll get you something for free, Pat. And uh, yeah, you take care of me. I appreciate it. It'll happen. It'll happen. Just have now that I, now that I know that you're like a big dial tone guy, that gives me a reason to draw mm-hmm. dial tone. So maybe that'll happen. Just having you on the show is good enough for me. Oh, I love you too, Pat. That's why we that's why we follow each other on Twitter because we care. Yep. Otherwise I'd mute you. <laughs> You're really excited about muting people now. Aren't you? Now that I know how to do it. Speaking of that, you know what? And he starts that, that, with me too. Yeah. That that brings us to a great segment to go on. What's your current crusade? I bet you I bet you can guess what mine's gonna be. <laughs> 
here on a muting crusade. <laughs> I love it. Jason, let's start with you because I got to think about what crusade I'm on. I'm on so many. Oh, well, right now, I mean, it's still countdown to uh, Emerald City Comic Con. Uh, exciting bit of news on that. I just got my tickets yesterday. Woohoo. Uh, so we're we we are a go. So Drake's coming with me. I'm uh, The next step is I've got to wrangle all these boxes that I got spread out around the house and start digging through to get my the books I want signed, signed. So, and I think I found out that, um, Mike Mignola is going to be there. So I was thinking I might get, uh, one of those Batman statues, like the one I got you mm-hmm. for your, mm-hmm. for your birthday. Mm-hmm. Got a Mike Mignola one at the comic store. So I might get that. I haven't signed the base of that. That would be nice. Yes. So that's kind of, that's what I, what I'm focusing on. Other than that, I'm still reading that Luke Cage, big giant or uh, power man and iron fist. Sorry. Power man and iron fist from the, uh, the old, uh, early eighties run. Um, that's, uh, I just started the Denny O'Neill run, which is really good. Power my way through that. So those are my big two crusades going on right now. Cool. Jared, you got something yet or? Yeah, I do. Um, Quick, uh, quick aside to Jason. Uh, I think at Emerald City Comic Con, if you go to booth J14, I'll say it again, J14, uh-huh. uh, J14. there's a guy down there. there he's an <laughs> he's a guy down there. <laughs> he's an artist. He's an artist from Chile, and his name is Amanke Nawelpan. You're not going to be able to forget that. He's from Chile. His name is Amanke Nawelpan. He just got done drawing a 12-issue series of RoboCop that was really good. If he's doing sketches at a reasonable rate, and by reasonable, I mean, you know, 30, free? 40 free dollars, yes. <laughs> um, and he's willing to do me a sketch of RoboCop. I would be willing to front you the money on that. All righty. Yeah. You know, I also think, too, if, if you're going to go there, you may want to – I was looking it up, and you may want to find – go to, uh, I think it's booth. It's going to be B007. There's going to be a famous guy there by the name of Christatos. Thank you. I'm I, all night. I could listen to you say Christatos all night long. Ah. <laughs> uh. Jared missed his cue. I can't believe it. I, I think I he's going to be the front man now for uh, Death Probe. Death Probe, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Eventually, Jason's going to get that Death Probe joke. It's going to come all together at one point. <laughs> but anyways, enough about you guys. Let's talk about me and the quest that I'm on. Well, I'm on two quests, just much like Jason uh, said. One of which you guys already know about from previous episodes. But uh, the, the quest to get... Uh, I have two comic books getting uh, produced this year, which I'm very excited about. Uh, so I'm be inking the heck out of one. Uh, the other one I'm I'm the writer on, and uh, I wrote this my first comic book story, and I sent it to to my writer friend uh, Van Allen Plexico. And, you know, he and I do that James Bond podcast together, mm-hmm. and he's a very talented writer. And, and so we, I sent it to him for edits, right? And I, I'm right now on a pull up the tweet. He sent me a tweet about it, which uh, I found very complimentary and also hilarious at the same time. Scrolling, scrolling. I'm going to find this tweet. Ah, here we go. Here we go. Here we go. He says, and I quote, uh, just got, uh, well, actually not quote, but paraphrase because it's a little bit longer. Basically, he said, just got done um, reading about the first 25% of your script. It's very good. You've got skills. And I hate it when an artist is also a good writer. It's like finding out your favorite chef also does heart surgery. So I hate you. 
So, <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I took that as a strong compliment from a really good writer. Um, but anyway, my, my quest is to, uh, you know, get both of those books uh, out. Uh, I've got a, a great penciler working on the book that I wrote. His name is Nate Niles. He just sent me page one of my, I think my book is 37 pages, 38 if you count the cover along. Uh, and he sent me page one this week and it looks great. So I'm fired up about that. That's quest number one. And quest number two is much easier. Um, I've gone on a quest to, because I need more comics to read, mm-hmm. to read, um, oh, yeah. yeah, to read the uh, the mini appearances of James Bond. I'm trying to collect up some of the James Bond comics because I, I missed okay. a, a fair amount of them in the 90s. Um, I just got done reading a, a mini series uh, by uh, Doug, is it Minch, Monk? Anyway, yeah. Minch, yeah, that Doug Minch and and his his usual artist pal Paul Gulacci or Gulacci, I'm not sure how either of those are pronounced. Yeah, asking um, the wrong guy. Well, anyway, you know those guys did a lot of books together. I remember them on, for Shang Chi a lot. They did all that together. Um, but anyway, they did a James Bond three issue series for Dark Horse called Serpent's Tooth. And I just finished reading it, and it was a lot of fun. It was it was a cool book to read. And um, I, there's a couple others that Dark Horse uh, did in the 90s. I think one's called the Quasimodo Gambit. That's the one I'm going to read next. And uh, there's a couple others. So anyway, I'm sort of on this quest to read these obscure, uh, kind of almost forgotten about James Bond uh, comic books. Sounds like fun. What, 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 quest, what quest are you on there, Pat? Well, I am still working on my, my list here of organizing my comic books i'm on to box number four now i uh, this weekend i ended box number three so congratulations that's all. Yep, thank you thank you mm-hmm. I got a lot to go but uh, it, it's coming out pretty good uh and then my other quest is reading through some other comics that i have uh, that i want to catch up on so uh still working through the crisis even though i it's past christmas time but i'm working on that mm-hmm mm-hmm um, so hopefully by the time yeah, this is out, I'll good. be done. Yep. Uh, well, if, if you if you haven't thought of this already, when it comes to organizing your boxes, I'm going to tell you one of the greatest things I ever got. One of my friends, uh, Britt, my friend Britt, she once got me for Christmas or a birthday. I can't remember which. But if you didn't already know this, they make these cool, like hard plastic um, dividers that you can put in your comic oh, yeah. book boxes. You yeah. got those? Oh, yeah, I she got, got those. me those with a label maker. I Ooh. thought, what a cool present for someone who collects comics. So I had, a, I had my little divide plastic dividers with the label maker. So, you know, that little part that sticks up, mm-hmm. uh, you know, you could read what the tiles were. And I just, I really like yeah. that. If you're already doing that, that's great. If not, it's a good, good tip. You know, I got some from a long time ago, but I'm on the cheap here. So here's what I do. I take that, the few white ones that I got, mm-hmm. I have one, that's my master, my template. And then, you know, now that Christmas has come and gone. Um, whatever boxes I've had, cardboard boxes, I broke them all down, cut them up, and that's what I'm using for my dividers. I use that template, uh-huh. draw it out, and I cut it out. I cut it out, and then, you know, a Sharpie works for me to put the name on the top. <laughs> You're a survivalist. Yeah. <laughs> I'm a poor boy. MacGyver in those boxes. Yeah, that's my MacGyver uh, comic box you know, <laughs> dividers. That's how you do it. I dig it. I dig it. That's how we did it the day, kids. Yep. That's right. Yep. Because I didn't want to waste the money on dividers when I could be buying another issue or something. That's right. Don't don't buy food for the kids. No. <laughs> to buy those comic books. That's right. Go <laughs> feed the kids someday. That's right. But yep, those are my quests for right now um, that I have going on. So so with that, let's get going with the show here, guys. 
we invite you to be a part of the show by submitting your comments and memories, which will be read later on in the show. All links and pictures for this episode are in the show notes, which can be found at the website longboxcrusade.com. Please add the podcast to your favorite podcast feed or on iTunes. You can also follow the podcast on Facebook and Twitter, looking at you, Jason, by the handle <laughs> at Longbox Crusade. Uh, we, <laughs> we hope you come along with us on the crusade to read them all. Now, before we get started with this episode's issue, let's take a quick podcast promo break from a friend of the show. We'll be right back. Hello there. This is Jared Albrick, a.k.a. The Yard Sale Artist, with a quick podcast promo for my show, Comics with Normies. Here's how the show works. Using my yard sailing skills, I acquire a random comic book from a yard sale. I then give said random comic to a normie. A normie being a person who doesn't normally read comic books. Then, on the show, I'll sit down with the normie to discuss the issue. Get a real outsider's point of view and see what some of the comics that we love, and maybe not love so much, seem like to those normal folks we see walking around on the streets each day. It should be a fun perspective and good for a few laughs. You can check out the Comics with Normies podcast, along with some other fun-filled podcasts from White Rocket Entertainment, on iTunes and at whiterocket.podbean.com. And feel free to join the show using Twitter handle at Normies Podcast or on Facebook at Comics with Normies. Once again, you can find Comics with Normies on iTunes and at whiterocket.podbean.com. We'll see you there. Welcome back. We hope you enjoyed the promo for Comics with Normies. And we hope you give it a listen. Now, let's get started with the show. Today's adventure from the long box is G.I. Joe, A Real American Hero, issue number two, cover dated August 1982. Fight for freedom wherever there's trouble. G.I. Joe is there. G.I. Joe, an American hero. G.I. Joe vs. Cobra, the enemy fighting to save the day. He'll never give up, he's always there. Fighting for freedom over land and air. G.I. Joe is there. G.I. Joe is the code name for that anyway. We all special mission force. Its purpose to defend human freedom against Cobra, a ruthless terrorist organization. Determined to rule the world. Determined to rule the world. That's right. Fill the fights one G.I. Joe will dare. G.I. Joe. Now let's get into the issue credits. Jared, go ahead and take us through them. Oh, all right. Uh, G.I. Joe, A Real American Hero, issue number two, was published by a little-known comic publisher called Marvel Comics. Hmm. Uh, As Pat said, it had a cover date of August of 1982, and thanks to Mike's Amazing World of Comics, uh, we know that its on-sale date was actually May 4th of 1982, a.k.a. Star Wars Day. May Um, the 4th be with you. May the 4th be with you. And pretty close Um, to my birthday, too. Oh, okay. Huh. Uh, he sees dropping hints because he wants me to send him a free drawing. Much uh-huh. nudge, wink, yep. wink. <laughs> <laughs> um, the cover price of G.I. Joe, A Real American Hero number two, was 60 cents. It had a page count of 32 pages. It was written by Larry Hama, penciled by Don David Perlin. 
um, which is interesting. Uh, we're just on the second issue, and, and uh, Herb Trimpey's off for a little bit, but he'll be back. It's inked by Jack Abel. It's colored by Bob Sharon. The letter was James Novak, and the editor was Tom Rock Me Amadeus. Oh, yes, Rock Me Amadeus. <laughs> I'm glad you did that because if you weren't going to do it, I was going to do that. Oh, I had to do it. Are we done now? Can yeah. I press yes. it? Yes, please. When you are. Listen, guys, when I'm the you one who's like it. being professional, then we know we have a problem. <laughs> <laughs> we are off the rails. <laughs> It's not All right. past midnight. No, it's not, not the podcast an hour. Not yet. Okay. Uh, 28.46. I, I, anyway. <laughs> I mentioned that uh, it was interesting that Herb Trimpey was uh, not on this book, but I lied because the cover art is done by Herb Trimpey with inks by Jack Abel. And speaking of the cover, uh, we've got – the you know the typical GI Joe red white and blue banner going across, and we have a picture of four Joes. I believe it is Stalker, Snake Eyes, Scarlet, and Breaker. They are in a snowstorm and obviously on the planet Hoth. And there is an exploded bunker behind them, and it's got the title on the front that says "Panic at the North Pole." Uh, Pretty interesting looking cover, but I want to get you guys' thoughts first. So, uh, Pat, we'll start with you. Thoughts on the cover? Uh, this is one of my top covers. I really, really love this cover. It might just be because, uh, going back, the nostalgic for me, but uh, it is one of my classic covers that I like from G.I. Joe. The story, you know, the story in it as well, it kind of depicts what's what we're going to he- see uh, mm-hmm. from the Joes here. I like the, the artwork, the presentation of it. I love it. I, I, I don't got nothing bad to say, or, and I can only praise it. So Okay. All right. High praise from, from Pat. Jason, thoughts on the cover? I'm going to go deep on this one, Jared. And I'm going to take us back to our previous podcast where we talked about G.I. Joe issue one. Do you mm-hmm. remember when we, uh, when we discussed the movies that were released when G.I. Joe issue one came out? I do, and I think I know where you're going with this. <laughs> <laughs> you do. You recall a certain Kurt Russell movie called I The do. Thing. Yes. And he, uh, so when I see this cover, when I look at this, and the, and and as we get in further into the issue, I think Kurt Russell and The Thing really influenced GI Joe issue two. Um, 
All right. So that's that's deep thoughts there. If I ever run across Larry Hama in my my crusades again, I will ask him that question. Uh, but the cover itself, yeah, Pat, I agree with you. I think this is you know this this is right up there with those iconic GI Joe covers. I, I think today, even today, like the GI Joe covers just really stand out. Like Jared mentioned, the mm-hmm. classic red, white, and blue, the bright, vibrant colors, the action-oriented scenes. It's th- these are these are the books that I pulled off the rack, and the covers a large reason why. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. How about you, Jerry? Oh, I think you guys uh, summed up nicely. I didn't ever really make the connection to the to the thing that Jason did. That's pretty interesting, yeah. uh, and I agree with your your thoughts as as well, Pat. I think this is a great looking cover. Uh, I've got some other. I've never sat down and done my personal top 10 of Joe covers. So there are some that spring to mind that I like better than this one. But this one is really good. And one of the things I like about it, one of the things I find attractive about it is is we went from issue one with its completely iconic cover of Mm -hmm. Grunt about to break his leg um, and (laughs) and all that action going on. And we roll right into a number two that is completely different. It doesn't necessarily feel like a um iconic shot but like you said it captures the issue really well like you can just glance at that cover and immediately go oh yeah i remember that story mm-hmm. yep. and uh, i also thought it was neat that in our second issue we already get the joes in a different climate so they're in like different oh, yeah. outfits you know we're not even they're already being fresh with the outfits it's not even the same outfits that we saw them in on on cover one so i think that is uh is neat and, and and speaking of the outfits, that does stand out to me as well too. I mean, you can tell who these people are by their faces. The rest, mm-hmm. of their, the, the the other stuff is they're wearing the same outfit. Where you know later on in Joe history or um, as they grow and get more people, and you know you start to get each individual has their own special little outfit and tweaked the certain ways, you know, snow job comes mm-hmm. in and he's got his whole white snow suit and all that. But this is, you know, this keeps him more grounded to a, a military feel to it. Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah, yeah definitely. Yeah, I think that's definitely a good point. I think as, as you bringing that up, I know it's like breakers blowing the bubble gum and that's really kind of a common, I don't know if tricks the right word to use, but breaker could really be mixed up with like grunt, yeah. you know, if you're uh, in certain circumstances, but by having that bubble gum there, that always signifies it's, it's breaker. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think the only person on this cover that's in any way vague is probably Scarlet. But even by the drawing of uh, this very simple drawing of her face, you can tell it's female. Yes. And I think at the time, Scarlet was your only option. So yeah, definitely. But, uh, yeah. Yep. All right, Pat, uh, putting you on the spot now, looking at the cover, testing your military knowledge. All four Joes are carrying the same type of rifle. What kind of rifle is it? 30 seconds. Go. The AK-47? Get out of here. You're fired. Jason. Uh-huh. <laughs> I don't that know. is an M sixteen A one. M sixteen. Maximum maximum effective range of about four hundred and fifty meters. <laughs> what type of ammo does it shoot? Five point five six standard NATO military round, and they're carrying uh, twenty round magazines. All right, AK forty seven. What kind of what size of ammo is that? Seven point six two. Nice, you nailed it. Can you tell All if right. their safeties are on or off? <laughs> these are the joes they're always off <laughs> their safety's their trigger finger <laughs> now jason has probably uh cleaned and broken down and rebuilt this here weapon numerous times yeah I, yeah 
as uh, as uh, an officer, I carried an, an M9, a Breda M9 nine millimeter pistol. Uh, but when I went to do my combat ops training before deploying to Iraq, I did get the pleasure of doing the whole combat course and stuff with an M16, and then cleaning it at the end and, and rebuilding it. So I've only done it once, which is probably way fewer times than Jason's done it. <laughs> but I want it on the record. I want it on the record, and I have people that we can contact to verify this. That when I did do the combat ops training. Uh, before going to Iraq, and I, you know, I'm crawling through the mud under the wire and all that jazz, and climbing over the walls, and, and you know, they did a pretty intense job of of prepping us. I very literally sang and and or hummed the GI Joe theme song <laughs> the entire time. <laughs> And uh, I'm I'm somewhat infamous for that. Uh, a couple of my buddies that were in that class with me, a couple of the NCOs that worked for me, they they really got a kick out of that. It's a it's a story that's still told to this day. <laughs> Did any of them uh, sing along with you, or? Oh yeah, they were into it. They were like, yeah, yeah, this is, you know, we we made it fun, you know, because if you can't make war fun, it's a lot yeah. more like war. Nothing. Say it again, y'all. <laughs> Good God, y'all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I've been out of the military for uh, going on 12 years now. And if you put an M16 before me today, I am 100% certain I could still break it down, field strip it for you. <laughs> oh, man. That's, that's, uh, I could still tell you the serial number of my, of my weapon when I was in Iraq and Kosovo. Wow. Now let's get into the story synopsis of G.I. Joe, A Real American Hero, issue numero dos. Our story begins in a little place called the North Pole. We start off at a U.S. research base where something has gone terribly awry. The base has been attacked and apparently there are things that are missing and nobody really knows what's going on with it. There are some suspicions though because the base is in close proximity to a Russian base just across the way. Uh, also, I suppose near the North uh, Pole. So they had it down to either the Russians destroyed the base and stole stuff or perhaps Santa Claus and his wily elves. We go to the Pentagon where General Flagg is discussing with General Austin. Quick side note, did they ever make a General Austin action figure? I don't know. I remember, I think they did a flag, but I don't know if I've ever seen General Austin. I, you would think I, I, would I can't know. recall a General Austin. I look at that big glass trophy you got of yours. I know. I'm, I, I know. I don't. I don't own a General Austin. I got a million figures. But I don't have an Austin. But anyway, back to the story. Um, General Flagg and General Austin discuss it. They they basically say this is worth the Joe team looking into to find out what's going on. And they say, well, all the Joes are on uh, currently on personal leave. Saying, you know, as Jason and I can attest, personal leave is just a privilege, not a right, and they can come and get you practice duty at any time. So they basically say, go get the Joe team. Uh, they pick a, a pretty good team of Stalker, Breaker, Scarlet, and Snake Eyes. And we get a very interesting, uh, we get a very interesting uh, look into their personal lives as we, it starts with Stalker. They see, we get to see Stalker in his free time actually doing some stalking uh, of a deer. Mm-hmm. And it's uh, pretty cleverly done. It makes it look like Stalker might be out deer hunting. The helicopter shows up to get Stalker to return to base for the mission, scares off the deer, where you learn that Stalker's actually just shooting photographs of wildlife. So that was kind of a neat little little plot twist. Uh, next up, we see Breaker. He is doing some, I guess, pro bono work at the computer lab at MIT. Apparently, he cannot get enough of the computer action. 
Uh, there's a couple of ladies at the MIT labs that are ta- talking about how cute he is and how they might want to flirt with him. But as soon as someone makes up their mind to go flirt with him, he is gone, having received uh, some sort of email message on said computer that says your leave is canceled. Report to the pit flag. He's a true professional. He did not stick around to talk to the ladies. I'm sure we can get into that later. Anyway. Then Interception. We <laughs> then we cut over to a Scarlet to see what she's doing in her free time. She is in a martial arts tournament doing very well. So well, in fact, that once she talks to the military guy that's been sent to pick her up, she basically says, okay, well, I guess I'll stop playing around and go ahead and defeat everyone uh, <laughs> at the tournament. She defeats her opponent. The, the, the opponent comes back at her and she still finishes them off with a karate kick. I'm pretty sure she killed that guy. Yeah, that guy kicked his head <laughs> off. Or is that a, no? That's another. I, you know what I said? His. It's another female. It's another yeah, girl. Yeah, it's another female. Another girl. Uh, either way, that person that. is dead. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, then we smash cut over to uh, Columbia University, where they're, they're dispatched to get Snake Eyes. They find that Snake Eyes has been spending some time in a sensory deprivation tank. He comes out of the tank. They're all sort of uh, aghast at uh, at his face. You know, where drops several hints throughout the comic series that his face has been disfigured. This is actually the first time that sin has been dropped. And uh, basically, they tell Snake Eyes it's time to get back to work. We cut to an airplane that's flying them up to their drop zone in the North Pole. Uh, I believe General Flagg himself is in the plane with unnamed pilot who has the four Joes selected for this mission in the back, gives them a quick debrief. They hit the silk, as it were, jump out, pop parachutes, and hit their landing zone. From their landing zone, they go over to the suspected Russian encampment that's not too far from the American one. They hide in their little snow blind for a while, keeping eyes on the Russian encampment, only to see an Eskimo on a dog sled appears, someone they're not familiar with. But he looks like he's pretty well-versed in the area. He runs the dog sled well. He's got some heavy weaponry. So he's very peculiar to the Joes. They watch as he goes in to the Russian encampment. They watch as he leaves the Russian encampment. Nothing much happens. He leaves the door open, so they're thinking, this is kind of odd. Let's get a closer look. They move into the Russian bunker, only to find that all the Russians... Uh, that were in the bunker are dead and seem to have been dead for quite a while. In fact, it looks like they've died because their heater went out and they froze to death, which is an odd way to go. While searching around for clues, Snake Eyes realizes that the uh, Eskimo has planted some explosives behind. uh, So this place is now a death trap, but luckily he finds it quick enough. They get out. The explosion goes off, but all our teammates are okay. From that point, they decide that their best bet would probably be to track the Eskimo hunter. They do so on foot in true Joe style, just humping at double time across the Arctic. They use some schnazzy new equipment that was uh, left with them by General Flagg to communicate back home. They put in uh, they put in their reports to the Joe's uh, headquarters, and they get a printout back describing who this mystery person is. So there's a pretty neat shot where we get all the details that the Joes have on this person named Quinn. We now know the Eskimo is <laughs> named Quinn. Uh, he has done a lot of military ops, covert ops. He is just basically the Eskimo James Bond. Uh, he's he's good at everything. So they continue to track Quinn. They find him sitting by a fire next to his crashed airplane. Or as I like to call it, his Quinjet. <laughs> <laughs> Good one, Jared. Good uh, one. Uh, no, not. Uh, hang on, hang on. I'm not done. <laughs> okay, now I'm done. 
Anyway, they sneak up on Quinn as he sits by the fire from his Quinjet, and they get the drop on him. But, you know, Quinn's a pretty crafty guy, and they find out that they've actually gotten the drop on a stack of C4 plastic explosive that's set to look like a human body. Quinn surprises them, busting out from inside the Quinjet. <laughs> and he gets the drop on the Joe team. He confiscates their packs, their weapons, everything, crushes their communicator, tells them, you know, basically... Good luck. I'm out of here. He tells him, you just got played. Yeah, (laughs) you just got played. Uh, Rides off into the sunset with basically all their gear. But the Joes, they have a lot of determination. They, in turn, look around them, decide to make use of what they've got in the crashed aircraft. In a very A-team-like moment, they basically piece together a um, a snow... um, What's the word I'm looking for? (laughs) A help me out here. Sled. Uh, yeah. Air uh, sleds. A sail sled. A snowboat. 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 Yeah. <laughs> we'll go with snowboat. <laughs> you can take the snowboat to China. I'm <laughs> 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 uh, full of them tonight. Anyway, yeah. they, it's actually pretty cool because you know I've seen I've seen uh, you know people actually make some of these wind driven uh, snow uh, conveyances before, and it's pretty and it's pretty neat because it makes sense. All the things that they would need were part of the airplane, so it's kind of cool. Anyway, they uh, they use that to make good time to, to actually get ahead of Quinn. They set a trap for for him at an ice bridge thinking they'll do a small explosion and the ice bridge will collapse and they'll have him trapped. They do indeed set off the explosion. They run down, make sure that the dogs are okay. we got to be nice to the dogs, make sure that they're okay. But once again, Quinn has foiled them. He's always one step ahead of the Joes. And once again has the drop on him, except for Scarlet. She comes in with her flying kick to the back of Quinn's head, and it does nothing. <laughs> <laughs> Quinn immediately turns around, smacks her to the ground. Uh, Snake Eyes, being crafty guy that he is, pulls out an extra clip of ammo that nobody knew he had, slaps it back into his gun that he now has back again because he stole it off of Quinn's sled, only to find out that Quinn is again one step ahead of the Joe team and has removed the firing pins from the weapons. He's now uh, hung them along with the weasel skulls that he has on his necklace. Why he has weasel skull necklace? Well, let's not worry about it, but that's where their firing pins are. That's cool. But basically what happens is, is it, this is kind of the moment where Quinn gets respect for the Joes. He respects the fact that they got themselves out of the out of the trouble over by the crashed airplane. He especially respects uh, Snake Eyes and his craftiness. And he kind of reveals a bit of the plot. He basically says the Russians were, were practicing uh, using fear waves, like sound waves to cause fear. Um, they got overexposed to the fear waves. Uh, they, they basically, it started working against them. Chuck. They... Their fears took over. They got paranoid about the American encampment not too far away. So, yes, they're the ones that did attack them. And uh, then they went mad, and that's why they froze to death. The, the, the fear waves overtook them. So it was basically an experiment gone wrong. He explains all this to the Joes, like I said, because they've sort of earned his respect. But then he's like, I still have a job to do. And once again, leaves the Joes high and dry with... Uh, with no uh, with no gear, uh, say I, he did let them keep their weapons, but he still had the firing pens. So Quinn gets on his dog sled once again, having outsmarted the Joes, and goes and meets his Russian contacts to give them all the information that he saved from the fear experiments, the stuff that he got from the uh, that they that they got from the from the Americans. Basically, gives them the big bag of data, uh, so so the Russians can keep their information and kind of save face. 
He also tells them that uh, they tell him that they're meeting a submarine there that's going to take them away. Should be there shortly. And Quinn's basically like, well, hopefully you get out here before the Joes catch up with you. And they're like, wait a minute, you sold us out? And he's like, no, basically I just left him behind. But these guys are pretty crafty cats. And I also left my necklace behind with the firing pins along the way. If they're worth their weight in any kind of tracker abilities, they'll find that and you'll all be in big trouble. And sure enough, comic book ends. You see the Joe team strolling up on the Russians. They all have their weapons out looking very menacing. And Snake Eyes is wearing the weasel necklace, which, by the way, doesn't have firing pins on it anymore because they are ready to go. That ends issue two. Yo, Joe. Yo, Joe. Who's got questions what and an comments? Issue. Yeah, what an issue. Um, I, I think I started with Pat on the cover. So, Jason, story notes, go. Well, I think uh, I, some of the things that stand out to me with this issue is that I think this is one where we start to, as you mentioned before, break it down into smaller groups, smaller teams, and seeing how they interact. I like the beginning, how it's set up, where you get to see the four uh, Joes that are featured in this story on R&R. So you get a little bit of like what they like to do in their pastime and mm-hmm, a little bit mm-hmm. about their mannerisms. I think the probably the big issue from the, you know, from the, the, the complete continuity or the saga, if you will, is the the first kind of almost, you know, Darth Vader's Anakin Skywalker from Empire Strikes Back <laughs> look at Snake Eyes mm-hmm. coming out of out of the chamber. Uh, it's the first time we know that there's something that's not right with this guy. Some sort of disfigurement. I think that uh, overall um, – the story moves very quickly. Uh, again, I I liked how Larry Hama brought in a little bit of realism into the uh, into the story. Um, everything from how they they moved, how they stormed into the Quonset hut, it really kind of shows how they uh, overcome obstacles, how they work as a team, work as a unit. The kind of the no no quit, no you know uh, no quit mentality and. Then the other piece of this that I thought made it really outstanding is Quinn, the villain himself, who will um, make make several reappearances um, as as the GI Joe story continues. Um, he's obviously somebody that's on their level. I mean, as somebody mm-hmm. that um, mm-hmm. you know, and I don't. You can cut this out if it's spoiling too much, but he and Snake Eyes kind of strike up, uh, if not a friendship, at least a mutual respect. Yeah. Of one another. Well, it's, um, it, that, that shows it in this issue already, that mutual see. respect between the two. Yeah, yeah. It's, and it starts it, it starts right here. Mm-hmm. Um, not not the it's not a, a, a great big shoot 'em up um, action extravaganza that issue one was, but in its own way, I think this is just as strong just from the character development uh, and the introduction of Quinn. Pat, what do you think? I, I totally agree with the, the character development uh, part of this. You see some background on the four that are taking place. Um, Got to give it up to Stalker for uh, looking in round deer in my home in my home state, Wisconsin. Oh, yeah. I, I picked up on that when I read through it. I was like, I wonder if Pat's going to mention it. You stole one of my notes. I thought uh, I was going to surprise you with that one. Good eye, Pat. Uh, so I, I like that aspect. And I totally forgot about that, too, until I rereading that. I'm like, oh, yeah, that's right. He was there. Story-wise, uh, this is, one, again, one of my top favorite stories. It could be because I read it a lot, but I, I 
I think it really moves pretty good. There's some suspense. You're wondering like, well, hey, how are they going to get out of, you know, how are they going to track him down again? And they just, he's always one step ahead of them, uh, Quinn is, uh, which makes him, you know, a really cool guy uh, on my side again, uh, where, you know, you, you, you begin this, you know, you, you're rooting for the Joes, but then sometimes you, you know, you, you start rooting for the bad guy as well too, with just a, you know, they're equally balanced here. I like to, uh, um, like you guys said, uh, the military use that they use, how they go into the building, uh, staking it out, um, the chain of command, stalkers in command. He's making the choices uh, that, that they have to do. But yeah, it's just, a, to me, it's a solid story. Uh, and uh, some of the components uh, that Larry's laying down, you know, with, with Quinn, you know, we, we will see him again. And I'm not going to give anything away for you know, spoiler alerts for new people that are just listening to it. But I'm sure if you're listening to this, you know what's going to happen, how the, how the story goes. But you, you see I got to tell you. Oh, I'm sorry. So um, I like, I don't know if you guys caught that, you know, the part with Scarlet uh, in the beginning, she ends the fight with a flying kick and takes that person out. But then she tries that again on Quinn and nothing happens. Mm-hmm. Good point. All that practice for nothing. <laughs> <laughs> And you don't you, you you don't really know why Snake Eyes is you know in the deprivation tank till later on we you know we get a little more even more background but that's what makes you that mystery about him that building up the mystery on Snake Eyes who and what he is and where he's from other than that I just a uh, story wise loved it it's great great story yeah you, I think I th- oh sorry oh, go I was ahead. just gonna say I think think um, um that that uh, fans love affair with Snake Eyes really kind of begins here in this in this episode mm-hmm. and i like the other thing i like about is, is quinn is that like you know i'm just going to tell you everything that i'm going to do and here's my story here's what's going on and why i'm doing this and scarlet's like well why are you telling us all this and snake eyes like well snake eyes is telling her to be quiet but and, <laughs> and he says well he knows that they're not going to survive so how about you, Jerry? Or are or are they? Uh, <laughs> I feel like I'm in the uh, I feel like I'm in the sweetest of sweet spots as a GI Joe fan because you guys are like, oh, there's more to come with Quinn, and I know that there's more to come with Quinn, but I don't remember what it is. <laughs> so as we go forward and reading these, uh, it's going to be like I get to re-experience it. You guys like already remember what happens, and I don't. So uh, I'm fired up about that. Uh, story-wise, I think you guys did a great job covering it. Yeah, Hallmark is that we we get to see them in their private time. That's very cool. Uh, great team dynamics, the A-team moment. Uh, Quinn is an awesome character. Uh, you know, I remember I I can distinctly and vividly, even though I think I was about six when this when I got this comic, I can vividly remember like reading this, and I I can even remember like the conversation like I had with, with Jason with my brother we were we were both like man Quinn's so cool and we were both completely convinced that in the next wave of GI Joe figures we would get a Quinn and that would and not we waited and we waited, <laughs> and, we waited. <laughs> and we waited and I think I think Quinn's first figure came out during somewhere around the 25th anniversary of GI Joe so we waited like 25 years. Well, you waited you waited it out. You got it. I do. I do have a Quinn figure and it's great and Oops. I just like, man. Oh, we were about to say Pat. Oh, I was going to say what is on that figure? Is he in this outfit? He is. Um the okay. uh, the figure is is awesome for a lot of different reasons. Uh he's um 
He's in this outfit. Okay. He came packed. I, I can't remember if it's a, 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 a two pack or a three pack, but I know that at the very least he came with snake eyes. And what's cool about it is snake eyes is in the, um, winter gear. Uh, and it even came packed with, uh, the, with a reprint of, uh, GI Joe number two. So it was like, it was very, very cool that the, the way that it all came together. So yeah, he's a, he's a good looking figure. In fact, I'm about to pull up some knowledge. Well, while you're talking about that, um, one thing I just noticed in going through, uh, uh, in going back through it is on the cover, they're all, their suits, snowsuits are all green, but inside they actually have separate colors for each other. You know, Snake Eyes is in his kind of darker blue, black, I guess black if you want, you know, black elf, black jacket, uh, Scarlet's mm-hmm. brown. Oh, yeah, you're right. Uh, stalkers in white. and uh, I'm going to guess that's probably just to help us identify who's who. Yeah. I'll tell you, one thing that I thought was weird about the story is uh, when they do go to pick up the uh, the Joe team at the beginning, you know, they're all doing their their personal things. And I wonder if, if this was odd to Jason, too. And I find it extremely odd because, you know, Larry Hamm is a kind of a military guy and he wrote this. But, like, when they go to pick up Stalker, you know, the guy the helicopter on the loudspeaker saying uh, he calls him E5 Lonzo Wilkinson. And they call for when they go to pick up Scarlet. They think they say, uh, are you E5 Shannon O'Hara? Who in the world has ever called you E5 Jer- Jason Albrecht or E5 Albrecht? Like, you would say sergeant. Isn't that weird? That's just weird terminology. Yeah. What does that, E5 mean? Was... He's a sergeant. A varying degrees of sergeant, but it, basically you'd just say, uh, is this Sergeant Stalker? Is this uh, Sergeant O'Hara? This is Sergeant uh, whatever Breaker's name is. It just fell out of my head. No one, no one calls you by your, by your whatever that's called, your designation or whatever. That's it's your pay grade. Your pay grade. Yeah, your pay grade. Like that's pay really grade, weird. Yeah. Well, and Snake Eyes is Mister Rank Classified. <laughs> yeah, it's so weird. Yep, that's me. I'm Rank Classified. Thank you. <laughs> they call me Rank Classified. <laughs> if I was Rank Classified, I'd be like eating in the general's mess and everything. I'd be like, "Are you a general? It's classified." <laughs> 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 I'm gonna fly on that private private jet. <laughs> <laughs> What's your rank, son? That's classified. It's classified. <laughs> I'd tell you, but I'd have to kill you. That's right. <laughs> well, I sure wish that I could uh, give you guys more information on that Quinn action figure from Yojo.com, but it is the, they're having some serious page problems tonight. It will not. I it will not too. pull up. The I was gonna page. try to go there and I couldn't. Yeah, so Yojo's having some issues, which is a shame because it's a glorious website. But anyway, long story short, yeah, they didn't make a Quinn figure for a long time. But yeah, I thought that was just so weird going back to the whole uh, E5, you know, Wilkinson. Like, I have never in my life heard anyone call that. They would have been like, are you Sergeant Wilkinson? Yes. (laughs) You know? (laughs) And, and you know, it wouldn't bother me so much if it wasn't Larry Hammer that wrote it. And Larry Hammer served. He knows the deal. And he's never heard it used that way in his life either. So I just thought it was really weird. I can't even think of why they would do that. My only guess is because, you know, they were tied to the toy line and, at the, and on the file cards 
if I remember right, they had like E5 or mm-hmm. yeah, E4. They did. So maybe that's why it was. Maybe it was an editor's decision. You know, they make dumb ideas like that all the time. Like, oh, they won't know what sergeant is because on the back of the card it says E5. Oh. Yeah, yeah I don't know. I'll ask, I'm writing this down to ask Larry Hama if I see him again. <laughs> It's just a weird decision. But yeah, I'd, I'd love to know the answer to that if you do bump into them. But yeah, just thought that was odd. Other than that, you know, like you said, you guys covered it with story wise. I just think uh, Quinn is such a strong uh, character. Just what a great, you know, it's issue two. We're just we're just getting kicked off here. Yeah. And you introduce what a really cool, diverse character who's, you know, he's almost like the Catwoman to G.I. Joe's Batman and that and that he's extremely capable. He's not necessarily a good guy, but he has this weird sense of honor. Yeah. As definitely. well. So those kind of characters are always very cool. You know, the the the, the bad guys that you kinda like a little bit, you know? <laughs> yeah. Um and it's it's he has easy a to pretty like complex them. character, yeah. 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 He does turn out to be pretty complex for for an eighties uh comic book that's based off a kid's toy line. And, and, Except you don't get a Quinn toy. <laughs> and it makes you wonder if, if you think that people would down the road, you know, would want that figure. I mean, I know I did as a kid. I wanted that figure. I'm like, that guy's cool, especially you know, with the skulls yep. on and the gun. He's carrying on this big gun, <laughs> Weasel Skulls. Weasel Skulls. <laughs> That's another pretty good band name. Like yeah. Weasel Skull? Yeah. Weasel Skull. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm playing bass guitar for Weasel Skull. I think uh, Christopher <laughs> might be a. Cristatos. Yeah. is like a, like a European techno group, you know. Yeah. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, Cristatos. <laughs> we believe in nothing, Lebowski. <laughs> we are Cristatos. <laughs> now it's time with dance. <laughs> Number two. <laughs> it was pretty good. <laughs> well, it was pretty it's good. The, how about the art? But yeah. Ah, yeah. It is time to talk about the art. And Herb Trimpy was in my A, except for the cover on this one. Pat asked the question, how about the art? So I assume he's talking to you, Jason. Go. Oh, you know, to, to be honest, I mean, the art's not really that inspiring. I mean, it's it's pretty rough. It's obviously, it's not Trimpy. Uh, but um, there's nothing really that... that that jumps out at me as being terribly flawed, nothing that's terribly great. You know, I think I think the art serves the story fairly well. It's it's, it's just fairly simple. I don't really have anything <laughs> other to say about it than that. Not not good, not great, middle of the road. Yeah. I, I think um I, I agree with that. Or not bad. Not not bad, not great. Sorry. Yeah, sorry. It's it's, it's, it's okay. Good. Yep. <laughs> it, it does what it's supposed to do. Um <laughs> You definitely can tell when it was done, you know, back in, you know, 82. This was probably done probably in 81 when they drew it. Um, with looking at the two girls from the college, they got both. That's exactly what I was thinking. Yes. That, that's what I'm like. Oh, this is age. Yeah. Typical. That re- that totally reminds me of like an older Spider-Man comic right there. That's exactly what I was thinking. That's, that's a, weird. You stole my yeah, comic. I, I, yeah. I thought about that after I shut up and, and uh, yeah, you hit the, hit the nail right on the head. All right. Um, speaking of uh, the um, page four, where we get the girls are discussing whether or not they're going to ask out Breaker. Mm-hmm. Pat, I'll start with you. Yeah. Like the, bl- the blonde or the, or, or the darker haired girl, which one's prettier? 
Oh boy, you're putting me on the spot here. Uh, Shag would Shag would know this off. He'd already know. He'd be uh, like, "Oh, I go with the darker." Jason, yeah. same. Yep, same here. I guess. Uh, guess we all like her. And then, of course, I mean, the Scarlet. She's, oh, yeah. she's the lady. But uh, you she's know what? I, we, <laughs> you know, we 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 talk and we talk a little juvenile about it. But what I think is neat about this is, you know, again, this was the '80s, and and, and even in through today in comics, when you have a sexy badass redhead, you still play up her sexiness and they don't do it at all in this issue i mean she's sexy and she's a badass but like there's no sex pose for her you know she's just a soldier on a mission Mm -hmm. and i think that is a pretty cool thing that uh that larry did on the in this book yep so just that showing that empowerment that Mm -hmm. a lady has and that she can stand up to uh, be equal to a guy except for Trying to kick Quinn in the head yeah. did not go well. <laughs> wow. That guy's like. In all solid. fairness, I don't think I- any of them would have gone. That would have gone well with Quinn. Man, that guy's the- carrying around a, a thirty caliber machine gun. Man, do you have any idea how heavy that is? <laughs> I do, but I wonder if Pat has. That's how heavy a thirty cal is. It no. is crazy heavy, dude. Oh, uh, I, I can't even. You know, you're talking heavy. to. Uh, Somebody that uh, that a little background story on me. You're talking to somebody that I'm with. I'm very tall and thin. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know, at one time I was probably around 120. They wouldn't let me go outside on a windy day <laughs> without without being tied to a rope. But you know, now that I'm you know now I'm getting older. I'm getting a little wider. So now I'm proud of that. So, <laughs> <laughs> but I still can't lift. I still can't lift anything heavy. I got a weight limit. Uh, I, I've done some quick uh, calculations while mocking uh, Pat's uh, you know, frailness. Uh, <laughs> the uh, the thirty caliber Browning M nineteen nineteen without any ammo in it weighs thirty one pounds. You put that ammo in it, you can you can with that amount of ammo, you could almost double that. <laughs> That's yeah, he, he's he's hefting around about about close to fifty pounds of weapon and and ammo there. But I don't know how much those weasel skull necklaces weigh. You know? <laughs> what a, isn't it like that, to me? That's the most bizarre choice of anything. Like, yeah, I can just see him like sitting around cooking up Quinn. And they're like, yeah, he's gonna be this badass, and he's gonna be. Let's give him a necklace with skulls. Yeah, skulls. I like that. I like that. Herb or or Larry, or whoever I was talking, was like, and then somebody was like. <laughs> weasel skulls and then everybody else was like yeah <laughs> like, and they don't really say why it's just they don't say why yeah. but they look yeah, cool you're you're a tough guy and killing all those weasels that makes him look like a bad <laughs> man he's like and, and like wolverine skulls at least man do something yeah. badger skulls to kind of and a story on that as a kid i really took to that kind of skull looking you know that kind of skull looking look and i thought like man that's bad especially when snake eyes gets it in at the end mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. it's like oh man he just it's, it's like putting on a i'm even more badass now i got this skull necklace <laughs> get on. the weasel skull <laughs> but kind of going to a, a quick memory on this is a bunch of my friends we would get together at a one of our friend's house he lived out in the country so he had had this barn big barn that wasn't being really being used for anything so we were able to we would play gi joe there we you know we'd be there we'd be joes and we'd go through the barn and do all these different things we made a flag and guess what was on the flag it was a weasel skull weasel skull yeah that was our (laughs) all because of you know and then because the guy we hung around with you know he was reading joe too so 
in between playing and whatever, we'd go back and read through his Joe comics and things like that. So, yeah. That's <laughs> cool. Weasel skull. That is Weasel cool. skull. <laughs> Just weasel skulls, y'all. <laughs> and I think even you can tell that, too, uh, in a picture that, that I drew, Jared, that mm-hmm. I sent you, that one with the eight balls. Yes. Uh, with the pool balls. If you look mm-hmm. at that picture, uh, that skull. <laughs> I knew it looked familiar. <laughs> the weasel skull, that's where I weasel got it. <laughs> I'll have to post that, too. Oh, yeah. Post the picture. Yeah, that's some pretty good color work you did on the eight balls. And then now that you mentioned I do remember catching uh catching a glimpse of a weasel skull <laughs> so that's my memory it's an Not- odd choice yeah. the weasel skull but you know what uh, maybe we should maybe we should put down a challenge here fellas let's just see if it's even i mean we can buy anything on amazon right you figure they probably got weasel skull necklaces i say we just rock them on like, etsy yeah i say we just i think we just i say we just rock weasel skull necklaces for like uh, until the next podcast and then we just kind of report like what happened like this is this is how my life went at wearing a weasel skull necklace for the last two weeks, you know. I'm on eBay right now. I'm gonna I'm look and that. see what. I'm <laughs> You're talking to a guy. Another backstory, more than more than probably what people want to know. But back in the day in school, guess what I wore around my neck? Was weasel it a weasel skull necklace? Skull? No. <laughs> Could if I would, but <laughs> that would have been awesome. Give you a, here we go. Flavor, flavor. You, did you wear a clock? <laughs> yeah, kitchen clock, man. It was one of those plastic. Damn. I was, That's know, awesome. Back That's in the awesome. day, I did that. You rocked the flavor, flavor. Yeah, rock the clock. Man. That's things, how cool I am. Things to learn from Pat. <laughs> yeah, they got some weasel, they got the weasel skull necklace. Not a lot to choose from on eBay. I'm, I'm looking, but yeah, yeah. I see a handmade weasel skull pendant, blood pewter, and then the yeah. rest of it's like a hydra skull necklace, which is kind of sweet looking actually. <laughs> <laughs> so there's not a big market for weasel skull necklaces. We we know that now. Okay, I think we're officially distracted. <laughs> yeah, I think <laughs> you're right. <laughs> Anything else about the art journey? Um, it, no, yeah, uh, my thoughts on the art pretty much echo you guys. I think it's solid. Like you said, it looks kind of like 70s-ish Spider-Man. Like, not necessarily the main title Spider-Man, like like Marvel team-up <laughs> style art, you know? <laughs> it's not bad, but I will pose the question that I always pose, gentlemen. Mm-hmm. You're allowed to buy one page, original page. From Don Perlin at a Comic-Con, what page do you buy? Then keep in mind there are no right or wrong answers. The cover. I started with Pat. (laughs) No, you don't get the cover. So there is a wrong answer. (laughs) There are no right or wrong answers. Pat, what do you got? I am torn between three pages. Mm -hmm. One is the first one is... In the beginning, where they, where the Joes bust into, bust into the Russian shed. That's wrong. <laughs> I, I just like how they bust in there. That that no, I panel actually is cool. really, I really like that too. Yeah, that, that's a cool action shot to me. I love that. Um, okay. My second one is um, later on when Scarlet is getting uh, after her kick. You have the layout of her getting thrown off a of Quinn. Snake Eyes grabbing his hidden uh, ammo pack, ammo clip, mm-hmm. and then you get click click where he tries to shoot, and then you get the a good weasel necklace <laughs> shot of Quinn. I like Smiling. it. I like yep. it. And then my uh, my third one is the last page. Very cool. Of them coming uh-huh. up. So, yeah. Jason? 
Well, I think if I had to pick one, I'd go with the one that that Pat mentioned. With um, this starts with Scarlet getting butt stroked in the in the face uh, with with uh, with Quinn, and then it uh, it has the the scene with Snake Eyes, and then it 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 really kind of winds up with that kind of cool action pose of, of Quinn. I think I think I'd have to have something that really speaks to Quinn from this this issue. I think this this one really kind of sums it up best. Yeah, well, I like that one. I'm surprised at your choice, um, although I don't think it's bad. I think that's ultimately where I'm going to land as well. I think I'm going to take the scene where Snake Eyes tries to get Quinn, and they're out Fox once again. I'm surprised at Jason's choice, though, because being such a big Stalker fan, I yeah. thought you might like the, the page where you know we get to see Stalker photographing the deer, like – because you're a stalker guy, but I think I'd have to agree with you. Ultimately, if you're going to get a page from from issue two, you want Quinn to be in it, yeah. which is yeah. uh, I had the same thoughts as as Pat. I liked the one where they're barging into the Russian uh, hut as well, but uh, again, no Quinn. So uh, yeah, I'm, I think we're going to all be in agreement for once. We would we would take the the Snake Eyes gets the drop on Quinn, but not really page. Yeah. And, and you look at that last panel of, of you know of him showing off his necklace. Um, but look at Scarlet; she's like pissed. Yeah, she's a little salty about what yeah. has happened. <laughs> yeah, she got taken down. Yeah, no, I, I I think we're all in agreement. I almost I almost chose the next page, the one there's uh, all four panels of Quinn, but yeah. I, I I like the action sequences in this one. Plus, you get a little Snake Eyes bonus, and that that final. That final panel is really the one that sells it for me. Yeah, definitely. That's all I got on art, playing our usual games. How about memories? Uh, oh, memories. I, I mean, I gave you guys mine and a little bit more. So, <laughs> Yeah, you're all about the reason stuff. Oh, I got you. Uh, like I said, I kind of shared one of mine already. Like To me, the most vivid memory is 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 like sitting there with Jason in, in our room. Jason and I shared a room uh, all the way from the moment my sister was born until, gosh, I was about – 12, 12 years old before I got my own room. So Jason and I have been bunk mates for a long time. And I can remember sitting there and, and us looking at that comic. And like I said, being so fired up, we're like, man, we're going to get a Quinn action figure. <laughs> it took like 20 or 25 years uh, to get there. So that's like my most vivid memory of it. Jason? I think the the thing that really that brings me back is that this is the first one that I went to a comic book store to get. Mm. Uh, I started getting G.I. Joe with issue four. That was the first one that I bought off the rack. Um, and then I was able to find issue one because like Kmart or some store was selling it and the toy aisle. So I had one and four, but I couldn't get two or three. And uh, so I, I had to talk my mom into bringing me to a comic store to get two. And I, so that's the first time I paid more than a cover price <laughs> for, for a comic. And uh, so, again, a little economics lesson wow. I'll learn there. But, yeah, and, and so I, I really liked it. I, 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 I just remember, you know, just being on a, a crusade, if you will, sure, to get yeah. that to get that comic. Mm -hmm. And I got it. And Really liked it, and uh, three was there as well, but I couldn't afford two and three, so mom let me, you know, maybe pick. So I picked two, and uh, I didn't regret it. I think I think that was a, a great great episode and great issue, and it's uh, yeah, it 
brings back a, a lot of great memories. My copy of the, of the issue is the second printing. Unfortunately, I don't have an original one of it. So that, that would be my only disappointment. I don't have an original anymore either. Mm. Yeah, as you guys know from previous podcasts, I, I foolishly sold off my Joe collection, and now I have them all in digest. So I read it in digest form, which I love, but yeah. uh, I kind of that's the one part of my collection I kind of regret selling off because that means a, means a lot to me. But what, but what I do love is, like I mentioned to you guys before, I love the Joe comics, but I never really went back to like re-re-read them. So I really don't know where a lot of this is going. I have vague memories of, of, of tentpole moments along the way, mm-hmm. but I really don't know. So this is going to be super fun for me as we move ahead. And I, I well, would, for for me, oh sorry. Oh, go ahead. I said for me, it's like as as we've been doing this, I've been doing this a couple of times with you guys now. What really strikes me is um, like I really remember some of those panels, and it's like firing up, you know, and even in issues to come. Mm-hmm. And, and again, I don't want to spoil things, uh, you know, for anybody that you know wants to go back and read these, which but includes me because I really yeah. don't know what's going on. Right, and but that's there, why we mute I, you on Twitter. I I, I remember <laughs> like cer- certain issues with certain panels with Quinn that sure. I'm like, oh, I can't wait to see see that again. Yeah. Just these moments from G.I. Joe. Because I, I read these, I think, Jared, you were probably a little bit young at the time, but for me, I read these over and over and over. Me too. I, I didn't, didn't collect like a whole lot of comics. I was basically getting G.I. Joe and Indiana Jones and Star Wars. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, and so the ones I got, I, I read a lot. I remember. So they're, go ahead. I was going to say, they're just burned into my brain. <laughs> yeah. And I remember um, with these, you know, the, the issues with, with the other kids I would hang around with, you know, there was a group of, of guys that I would hang around with. Um, like, I know a guy with Isaac, Jeremy, a couple other different guys who had different, you know, the different, uh, issues. So we would swap issues, <laughs> but I, I remember just like you going, you know, just rereading these, you know, summertime would come around the first day after, you know, after school was out. I would start my crusade. I guess it goes way back to then of just rereading through the issues I had. And every time I got a new issue, I'd, you know, uh, go through that reread again. Um, it's been a while since I've gone through the Joes in a, in a while. So the, uh, it's bringing back those memories again. And, um, you know, this is in my collection. This is probably the cornerstone of my collection. You know, this is where things get you know, where my collection builds off of. Yeah, this is the same with me. This is definitely the foundation before I was reading the superhero comics. Seriously. I mean, I'd I'd gotten a few, but it was GI Joe, Indiana Jones, star Wars. Those are the, those are the big three. Yeah. These are me. And then to me, it's like, this is like, it just got real, you know, (laughs) (laughs) I, I had some other ones and, Obviously, I don't have them in my collection anymore because I either got rid of them or misplaced them somewhere. Some older, you know, superhero ones that I would pick up as a kid here or there. But these are the ones that have stuck with me, you know. This is me. Me being just a little younger than you guys, I was a little more flighty with with things. Like, I didn't um, – I, the first time I can remember, like, really, really, like, rereading – strongly was uh secret wars marvel's secret wars mm-hmm. so oh, it i still me, read that 
it'll take me a couple of years to to get to where you guys were. Um, so, of course, I read these, and I read them a couple of times when I was little. But like I said, I was younger, so it didn't stick with me in my memory as much. I just remember really yeah. liking it. Yeah. And, of course, I, I've been a dedicated joe guy ever since uh but but yeah so well just from just a couple years off is is weird because you guys are in, intimately familiar with these storylines and i'm vaguely familiar with them uh which like i said this is very exciting yeah, for me good. because it's like I'm, I'm getting back into this whole new world it's sort of reopening to me yeah it's great and I, I love it and that's what i like about the doing the podcast with the, you guys is these conversations and hearing somebody else yep. take on it awesome I just tell my wife, I'm reading comics. It's for the podcast. It's for the podcast. (laughs) We all make sacrifices. (laughs) (laughs) So let's get into a new part of the show that we're going to add in is a response to a poll that was taken uh, right before the recording of this episode. I sent out a poll. If you follow Longbox Crusade on Twitter, and Jason, you can do that while we're going through this. (laughs) (laughs) so funny but i but i ran a poll that said uh what's your excitement level to read or reread uh gi joe real american hero issue number two and on the responses we had um the top response was intrigue and need to read that was 38 percent followed by got nothing 25 percent of the people polled didn't really have an interest they got nothing nothing on gi joe yeah 24% 24% are excited that they love this issue. And then the remaining 13% was maybe if they got the time, they would read or reread it. Knowing that, also ran another tweet that said we were looking for some sending out some questions and comments or even recipes. Still looking for those. Still um, wants this recipe. Uh, about uh, that we were going to be recording this podcast and wanted to see if anybody out there in the Twitterverse uh, had something to say or provide us some information. And one of those people was good old Skinny Joe. Skinny Joe. And Skinny Joe had to say, um, Jared, if you have that up. Yeah, I've got it up. Uh, Yeah, this is at Skinny Joe Fan. Uh, He's our first person to ever drop in with a question or comment before recording. So congratulations to to Skinny. Skinny Joe. Skinny Joe. He will forever be famous on this podcast for being our our first to drop a pre-show question or comment. Uh, He had a couple of comments. Uh, He he commented about this being the first appearance of Quinn and the frequency modulator, which would – uh, later be used by Cobra in the terror drones to create paranoia waves. That part I did not know. I didn't know we'd see the return. Man, of the- I did not know that either. Holy yeah. cow. Way to go, Skinny Joe. Skinny Joe coming with the heavy He's artillery. Dropping, he dropping that knowledge. He's dropping knowledge bombs left and right. Uh, then, uh, so I, I told him, uh, those, those facts sound correct. And I said, do you have any questions that you'd like to address on the show? And then he was so funny. He said, nope. But you might want to check this out. He gave us a YouTube link. Uh, if you go to uh, to YouTube, I'm going to give you some some keywords that you can search by. Uh, basically, if you go to YouTube and you type Quinn the Eskimo, K-W-I-N-N, the Eskimo, there's a video by Barking Fridge which that basically him. takes – uh, which is that Skinny Joe? Yeah, he said that's his site in a later tweet. Oh, I must have missed that. Yep. Um, where he did a video set to the to the song, uh, the Mighty Quinn, and uh, he, he it like drops knowledge bombs uh, uh, about 
Quinn. Uh, it's very like a montage of different Quinn moments. Uh, it, was, it was a lot of fun to watch. So thanks again to Skinny Joe for being our, our first participant, sharing the cool video with us. Uh, we appreciate that. And I'll put we also that, thanks, Kenny Joe. Oh, yep. uh, <laughs> I'll put that link in the show notes as well, too, so people can make it. There you go. Just click on there. So, yep. Thanks, Kenny Joe. These are the things that you can find out when you follow people on Twitter. <laughs> Looking at you, Jason. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not even responding to you guys about this anymore. I will get on it. <laughs> you know, he's on it. Anyway, Pat. Yeah. That's right. He's muted. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. They still follow me, though. Yeah, please okay. follow us. Bring up my following likes. So. But yeah, if you're out there and you're listening to the show and you enjoy the witty comments between uh, Pat and uh, my brother Jason and I, uh, look for us on, on Twitter and, and, and be like Skinny Joe and drop us a question or a comment. We're happy to make you part of the show as we as we record. I think it's tons of fun. Yep, definitely. So. We have another comment, too, by uh, Ryan Daly of the many, many, many uh, podcast endeavors that he has. And uh, he's also one of the co-hosts of our hosts of the G.I. Joe Headcast, along with Aaron Moss and Kyle Benning. Uh, another great show that you guys should be listening to. Um, Definitely. Uh, getting their take on the, the G.I. Joe. They have a, they do a really good job, probably more detailed about it than what we do. Uh, so mm-hmm. they can really give you some knowledge there as well, too. But uh, Ryan says that he loves the issue, but have read it so many times he thinks that i have it committed to memory he says so <laughs> i understand how ryan feels it i feel the same way about like old like james bond movies like goldfinger i don't really write the script <laughs> from, from memory <laughs> but i think it, yeah i i just wish we could have drugged this out a little bit longer before we brought up ryan daly because at current time here in central time where pat and i it yep. is eleven fifty eight p.m we could have gone two more minutes and made it to midnight would have been better but we did our we did our best ryan jason you don't know what that means ryan does a show called midnight the podcasting hour Uh, i see okay it's a pretty cool it's a pretty cool show by the way where where he uh he he reviews like old uh horror comics you know from like like back in the day horror comics from like swamp thing like house of secrets and you remember all those kind of uh, mystery and yeah that's pretty cool. Anyway, thanks for weighing in on that. Uh, uh, we appreciate it. And uh, yeah, you run you run a great great Jad Joe show. They're, like like Pat said, they're a little more professional, you know, than we are. <laughs> a little more detail oriented. <laughs> uh, but Pat's you know Pat's show is more of a nostalgia show. It's 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 using the comic to jump off about about the time frame. So yeah. anyway, yeah, that's a good show. And uh, Aaron Moss, who is the the main host of that show, his podcast on the headcast network um he also weighed in as well too on the facebook uh saying that uh it was a great issue and that uh he also commented that uh him ryan and kyle had covered that on his episode two of that podcast so definitely guys check that podcast out i can't recommend it enough um that was actually the one that got me uh had my my idea into doing a podcast as well uh aaron is my uh, my mentor so and Ryan uh, is a great Wait. guy too, and so is Kyle. They're all Aaron super is, guys. You said Aaron's your your mentor, mm-hmm. like like half man, half bull. <laughs> oh wait, that's a that's a minotaur. A minotaur. minotaur, yeah. <laughs> My bad. Minotaur. I get confused. Yeah. I should be a minotaur. I, you know what I would be then? My name would be Pat Minotaur. 
<laughs> Wearing a clock necklace with some weasel skulls on it. Ooh. Playing for Death Probe. <laughs> oh my goodness. So, uh, remember how we were talking about how Aaron and Kyle and them run this professional show? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, so they definitely uh, do run a good show there. Um, yeah, they do. A lot better than ours, so. I was actually I was actually chatting with uh, Aaron recently on Twitter because they haven't dropped a new episode since last summer. Yeah. And that, uh, that from, last one I was on. That's the last yeah, time you, I'm like, you man, were I on a guest host. Yeah, that you guest hosted their episode twelve, and that was the last one because you ruined it. Yeah, but <laughs> uh, which is maybe ironic. they just thought they could get any better. So let's just oh, that may be it. Go out mm-hmm. while they're on top. <laughs> Thank you. No, but I, I, don't, I don't think I was, so. I was chatting with Aaron, and, and I get the impression that he moved, and I think that the move, and, and I know he had like some small kids, like if not toddler age. So being in the middle of the move with toddlers definitely sent him back. But he did tell me they were going to be cranking it up uh, again soon. So uh, we'll be we'll be seeing those guys again. You know, Jason, I know you only have like two podcasts in your roundup, which is weird since I I host three podcasts. Only one of them's mine, and you're my brother. But you know, hey, whatever. Um, <laughs> it, it, we can. We you can like be- text me all your podcasts anyway. <laughs> I've listened to most of them uh, uh, when you chat them to me. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, we we would definitely recommend uh, GI Joe, a real American headcast uh, to anybody, and that includes you, Jason. You can you can uh, if you want more GI Joe in your life. And who doesn't? Yeah. And who doesn't? <laughs> That's right. Check them out. Yeah, we definitely. we've done we've just done like an eight minute promo for the GI Joe Real American <laughs> Headcast. <laughs> Guess what, folks? We also do a show called the Longbox Box Crusade. Crusade yeah. And with that, I think that's a good segue to uh, bring us to the end of this part of the show, so we can play a promo. Yeah. I wonder what that promo is going to. I wonder what it could possibly be for. <laughs> <laughs> so you got a question, a comment? Send us an email at contact at logboxcrusade.com or make a comment on Twitter or the Facebook page. With that, we'll be right back. Yo, Joe! We'll fight for freedom wherever there's trouble. G.I. Joe is there. G.I. Joe American hero. G.I. Joe is there. It's G.I. Joe against Cobra and Destro fighting to save the day. He never gives up, he's always there, fighting for freedom over land and air. G.I. Joe! G.I. Joe is there! Attention, Joes, this is General Hawk. I have an important mission for you. I need you to listen to G.I. Joe, a real American headcast. It's a monthly podcast where Aaron Moss, Codename Head, and two other Joes, Ryan Daly and Kyle Benning, We'll be reporting on the comic book G.I. Joe, A Real American Hero. Previously published by Marvel, currently being published by IDW Comics. We'll also cover the special missions, the yearbooks, order battles, etc. To hear their message, report to gijoe.headspeaks.com or iTunes or Stitcher Radio. You can get further information at Facebook, Google+, and Twitter. All under G.I. Joe, A Real American Headcast. Dismissed. Now we know. And knowing is half the battle. G.I. Joe. G.I. Joe, Real America Headcast, is a proud member of the Headcast family. The world never gives up. He'll stay till the fight's won. G.I. Joe will dare. G.I. Joe. G.I. 
Welcome back. We hope you enjoyed the promo for G.I. Joe, a real American headcast. We hope you enjoyed it and we'll give it a listen. Let's continue on with the show. Now it's time to scan through the issue for the top ads that stand out to us. In a segment called Add It Up. So, for the ads for this time that stand out to us, I'm going to kick it over to Jason. Well, um, there's only one that I uh, that that I, I absolutely have to call, and that is the Cracker Jack ad. Uh, for those who know me, know that I have I have several passions in my life. I like my comics. I like my movies, my Bonds, my Star Wars, Queen, the greatest band that ever that ever lived, and of course the Los Angeles Dodgers, the greatest baseball team, nay, sports team of all time. <laughs> So here, Cracker Jack, wholesome American baseball, and if you send in enough proof of purchases, you get this really cool Dodgers poncho, which I again tried to get my mom to send in and get, but she wouldn't because she had to. You had to pay a little fee or something. She wouldn't part with the money, so I never got the Dodgers poncho. Fast forward to about a year ago, I'm at Goodwill. What do I find? This Dodgers poncho oh, wow. in my size. So, yeah, now I got it. <laughs> Take that, Mom. Meant to be. <laughs> Cracker Jack, Dodgers poncho ad all the way. What's up with you, Jared? <laughs> I can't follow that. <laughs> uh, which is really weird because I was a big Cincinnati Reds fan. And I think Mom and Dad bought me like seven ponchos of various Cincinnati Reds. Uh, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yep. They, they, they paid Pete Rose to come and deliver it to you, too. I'm sure. That's right. That's right. Um, I'm going to, I don't have any big ones that jump out at me. So I'm going to do like three rapid fire, and I'm not going to take yours, Pat, because I know which one you want to do. All right. Um, the first one that jumps out at me is uh, was the full page ad for the upcoming Hercules miniseries. The Hercules miniseries ad just jumped out at me because uh, I think that's Bob Layton's uh, art, his rendition of Hercules. Like it's like his big splash page of Hercules, like in battle. There's all these bodies laying around. There's people running. There's giant spaceships involved. Um, you know, and this is Marvel's Hercules character, which, which, you know, he's always been very B team or even C team, really, if you ask me. But it, the art looks really good. Um, and I did my usual Jared thing, where you know I pick an ad, and uh, I go into find out what it what it's worth now on the secondary market. Uh, so I took the original four issue miniseries that Bob Layton did. I did a little ebay research and it is extremely affordable i don't know if that necessarily means it's bad or if it's just not very sought after i couldn't tell you i've never read it but uh, you can get all four issues for basically a dollar fifty to two bucks plus shipping so it's extremely affordable um i i fell in love uh with hercules when he took over the hulk book a few years back a hulk book became a hercules book and it was actually a lot of fun uh, so anyway, interesting on that. I promised uh, a couple others just really fast. Uh, later on, there's a there's one of these big sort of you know all kinds of encompassing ads uh, or, or flea market ads. Sometimes we call them on one page. There's one uh, on the bottom left for grab bags. You get an X amount of different uh, DC uh, comics or Marvel comics or a mix of comics for like was it like a hundred for like nineteen dollars 
for DC, Marvel for some reason is $21 if you want 100 of them. You can get a mixed bag of them for 16 bucks for 100 comics. I would love to like go back in time and just drop a quick 20 bucks and and see what I get, you know? And see what it would be Boy, worth now. That's good. See, see how many Howard the Ducks you get? <laughs> yeah, you never know, man. <laughs> uh, and finally, I'm going to go to the inside back cover. Uh, there's a, a one of those joke you know, factory ads out of Newark, New Jersey, the Fun House. 88 cents a piece for some of these joke and novelty items. And I always like to comb, comb through those and just find just find one that I think is just is just weird. And if you go starting from the top left, you go over four squares and then I'm sorry, three squares and then down one, you for 88 cents could get the smoking pet that really <laughs> works. And there's this picture of a dog smoking a cigarette and he just seems so pleased with himself. And I'm like what the hell is that? Who would want it? <laughs> anyway, that one jumped out at me. And, really and if you works. guys want to, it really works. It says so right there. Like, I don't get it. Um, but if, if you guys will indulge me before we jump to Pat's, uh, sticking with that same ad, you know, 88 cents a piece, you guys want to pick one? Cause I've already picked smoking pet. Oh boy. I know I'm putting you on the spot, but just take a quick gander and, and you know, Oh, this one looks interesting. I'm going to choose like the smoking finger. Uh, that was going to be my next one. <laughs> You know, I think I've had that. I bought it probably from like a KB toy store. They, you know, they they would have some of these stuff there that you could sell or that they would sell. I think I got there, got that. It's like some, I remember trying it out and it just made my hands all sticky and it didn't work. No. (laughs) Full of crap. Yeah. Uh, it's kind of hard for me to choose. There's a lot of, there's a lot of comics, a lot of interesting comic options, but I, I think, as a kid, I always liked those. There's a little, the not the bicycle, but if you look underneath the bicycle, the almost oh, like a, go-kart little thing. You're on or a different on the, page. You're on a different page. Uh, I, what page are you guys on? Because I'm seeing the comic grab bags. That's one you said, right? No, no. We, I, we moved on to the inside back cover where there's um oh of uh, 88 cents of your choice from the funhouse. Oh, oh, okay. The, the 88 cents. Please. So this this whole time he's been trying to figure out where smoking fingertips and smoking dog. Are. You understand why I'm having trouble with this this Twitter thing now, right? I got you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, hand buzzer. That's classic Joker. Yeah, snapping bubble gum. Look at that smoking dog while you're there, man. That dog dog is in flavor country. <laughs> like he's laid back enjoying it. Like mm, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Do you get the dog, or is it just? The- I, I went to I went to giant life size karate practice dummy. Oh, he jumped down to the bottom. <laughs> I did, I did, man. You get that for two dollars? Come on, <laughs> <laughs> I give it to you. You could have a giant life size uh, karate. Let's go in my back cave. <laughs> <laughs> karate. Didn't we do an ad once, Pat? Where their advertisement was? It was like way better than karate. Yeah, yeah. kung fu. It's kung fu. Yeah, yeah, it was kung, kung fu. fu. Beats Makes karate. karate look like kid stuff. Oh, yep. <laughs> <laughs> that was like Pat Nye's first episode. Read, read that. Read that. It's just like, in just two hours after you receive Super Karate, <laughs> you'll be on your way to being an invincible karate master. At home, this fast, easy way is it's cost you nothing. Costs you nothing, except for the $2. And then if you want to practice right. dummy, it's an additional $2. Yep. Boy, in just two hours, you can be a super karate master. I mean, yeah. I mean, if only like Daniel's son had figured this out before he, you know, painted the fence and mm-hmm. sanded the deck and he could have done it this way. Oh, well. Anyway, those are mine. Pat, 
Pat, I know which ad you're going to pick, and I fully support <laughs> you. Go for it. All right. Well, my ad is from is a Dungeons and Dragons adventure ad. Um, as a kid, I loved looking at these, um, and as an adult, and as a kid then too, I, I love playing this game. So it, it's a great, fun uh, role playing game to play. So uh, this ad uh, gives about maybe what do we have here? About six panels in a comic style adventure where the characters, the you have an elf. You have, you know, your warrior, your rogue, your paladin, your wizard. So uh, that, those kind of guys, they, they get a call to to go out on a quest to fight some, looks like some werewolf monstery guys end up in a sewer or in a, end up in a, an area where they're kind of watery dungeon and there's some bones there and uh, they continue on to their quest to get us uh, over another mountain to uh, to find Grindel on the other mm-hmm. side. So uh, very, very short and sweet to the point um, to get the D&D adventure going. So my favorite. I love it. Back then, This these were, uh, you know, everybody was doing it back then. That's true. Um, did you notice uh, where you would send your request for catalogs there, Pat? Um, uh, that would be Lake Geneva, Wisconsin. Yep. Mm. There you go. You ever been to Lake Geneva? You know where it is? I know where it is. Yeah. Yep. Okay. I, is that like home of D&D, I guess? Or? Yeah, it's where uh, Gygax was around. <laughs> Gary Gygax was around from that area. Okay. The headquarters of TSR was there for a while. Well, there you go. Now you know, and knowing is half the battle. Half the battle. <laughs> now... I'm gonna I'm gonna drop a, a quick uh, interesting knowledge bomb on you guys if you didn't already know this. Um, it has nothing to do with the D and D ad per se, but if you look at the ad and you go to the top of the page, the very very top, you see that little black bar mm-hmm. up there, and you'll notice that in a lot of your comics, right? You'll notice like they, there's a like a little colored bar yeah. up up on the top of them, and I learned recently what those are for. They have a purpose. Mm-hmm. Any takers? <laughs> It would be for like the coloring that you'll notice the di- the different bars uh, at the top of the different comics do come in different colors, but it doesn't have really anything to do with the coloring. I learned this just the other day. I thought it was very cool. I, I met a guy who used to work at the uh, at a comic book print facility. Like they printed magazines and all that, but one of the things they printed was comics. And so you'll take a lot of your old comics, go into your your long box, and just look at your comics from the top like that, right? And you'll see some that have like a, a little black bar and some that have like a, a red bar or a green bar or a blue bar, just kind of across the top of the comic itself, right? Um, those were for uh, the retailers who are selling the books. Each week, uh, you know, because different comics are shipped on different weeks, obviously, each week would have a different color code. And that way a retailer could grab a stack of books and just look at it from the top and automatically know which ones came from last week and which ones came from two weeks ago. So it would be very fast for them to swap out their inventory. Uh, That makes sense. I just learned that the other day, and I've been collecting comics for years, and I thought that was kind of neat. Well, that is interesting. Neat fact. Yep. So basically, if you can match up the color and the position of the bar perfectly from book to book, you know that those two books were released on the same exact week. Interesting. There you have it. Interesting fact. Cool. All right. We know. Yep, that'll get edited out. Nobody will ever know from the podcast, but no, I'll know. <laughs> and knowing is half the battle. All right, with that, um, if you got a question or a comment on these ads, let us know. You can email us at contact at longboxcrusade.com or even comment again on the Facebook or Twitter page. Let's continue on now with the next segment called Way Back in Time. Once again, it is time to take another revealing peek back into history. What? 
famous date shall I set it to today, Mr. Peabody? August 1982. At this time, gas prices were 91 cents. Major news at the time is, Jason? Well, we'll start off on August 2nd. Roger Ebert's Movie News premieres on ABC FM Network. We gave it two thumbs up. I knew it was coming. I knew it was coming. All right. All right. On uh, August 12th, Henry Fonda of On Golden Pond fame died of heart disease at 77. Gave me a bummer one. What you got, Pat? I got on August 17th, the first compact disc for you kids, a CD, was released to the public in Germany. Sehr gut, ja. Yeah. Yeah. I we like the CDs. <laughs> <laughs> you think they were rocking out the Hasselhoff Hassel or Falco? I'd say Falco. Oh, well, definitely Falco. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Anything ask. that went thum, 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 thum. <laughs> Like, I didn't get my first CD, probably not until, like... Oh, it's got to be like 89, maybe 90-ish is when I got my first compact disc player. I was so pumped Dude. to get it. Let me ask you guys this. What was your first CD you bought? Um, the first CD uh, that I can – and I came to the game a lot later than you. It was like 1995 before I got a CD player. Okay. <laughs> um, and the very first CD I can remember getting – I didn't actually buy it. I won it in a radio contest. Oh, cool. Um, it was, uh, that was the summer of 95 is when Batman Forever was coming out, and I got the Batman Forever soundtrack. I won it on the, on the radio contest. So that was my first CD was the Batman Forever soundtrack. Uh, while it, while Did the, you win? Did you really win? <laughs> well, what I was about to say is while the movie <laughs> may be questionable, uh, especially in the Batman community, the, the soundtrack is actually pretty good. It's got A Kiss from the Rose by Seal. That was it's a good got song. Baby. Baby. Just Kill Me by U2. Like a kiss from uh, the rose. From there's a great. It's got the Riddler by Method Man. That jam is awesome. <laughs> so yeah, it's a good CD. <laughs> yeah, mine was uh, mine was uh, Live Killers. It was a two CD set. I actually bought it in Germany. I don't know, Jared, if you remember when we lived there, they had the little German uh, music hut that was mm-hmm. there on post. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. And in- interestingly, I bought the CD before I had a CD player because I was like, I'm going to get this, man. And it was uh, basically as a compilation of Queen's um, live live performances in uh, Montreal and uh, some other places. But, uh, yeah, that was my, my first one. Excellent. I remember I remember um, Jason like having to ask. My parents had just bought the CD player in, like, gosh, like 90 or 89, 90. And I remember Jason would have to ask special permission to play his Queen CD. And I still remember my parents being, like, extremely concerned with how Jason handled the CD before he put it in there. Because they really thought that it could damage the player. They didn't – we didn't at the time realize that if you, if you, you know, mess you know, up the CD. Fingery, yeah. Yeah, it didn't have anything to do with the player. It just had to make sure your disc was clean. I just, I still remember, um, even though I was younger, I still remember being technically savvy enough to like watch and be like, now you got to be very careful about, because you're going to break the CD player. And I remember just looking at them going, that's not how this works. (laughs) 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 But, you know, they they didn't know. Like nobody knew. It was strange new technology. So what was your first CD, Pat? Oh, boy. You guys are going to. My first CD is. 
the sweet sounds of Paula Abdul's remix album. I have that. I have it on CD. That's a good CD. Last, it is a great CD, CD. Man. I love that. Do, do you love um, me? Oh, yeah. Do- <laughs> the remix, though. Yeah, the remix. Album. Yes, the remix. Oh, yeah. Because they do that little, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And the guy's like, oh, oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I just have a fun. <laughs> I still have that scene. Oh, yeah. Do you still have it? I still have it. Yeah. Definitely. Yes. We're gonna, we'll, we'll kick a little jams on that. On the, on the, on the, that's a good album. It's like two steps forward, two steps back. <laughs> we come together because opposites attract, but you know. I mean, I think that's how it goes. I'm too mad to know for sure. But <laughs> <laughs> that's a good, the rapping on that song was yeah, it's cool. It's funny. It's funny I still too. have my my CD. Do you guys still have yours? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I still have my Back and Forever. And yeah. obviously still has his. I got my Paul Abdul. Oh, cool. Never get rid of your first love, do you? No. <laughs> I actually got to see her in concert, too. I remember uh, being able to see her, and uh, who, who opened up with her was Color Me Bad. Oh, I, yeah. I was actually going to see Color Me Bad, but. We can do it till we both wake up. <laughs> Color Me Bad. Color Me Bad. <laughs> Sexy <book. laughs> I got the remix on all of that. Oh, you guys are cracking me up. <laughs> I wanna sex you up. And oh. my favorite lyric from almost any song is that line. He says, making love until we drowned. <laughs> Which is always really weird. But <laughs> anyway, what happened on August 18th, Jason? <laughs> well, on August 18th. Oh, I was gonna say so- Oh, wait, he had more to say about yeah, this. Yeah, I got more. Hey. Go, uh, yeah, sorry. We're still on the CDs, folks. <laughs> a little more a little more background on Pat, just to open myself. I feel like I can open myself up to you guys now a little bit more. We're, we're 12 episodes in. Since we're talking about Color Me Bad, I do have a Color Me Bad hat that says C-M-B. Uh, in, in That's dope. <laughs> I'm looking up on eBay right now. It it feels so good to get that out. So wait a minute, wait a minute, wait. (laughs) Let's back up for a minute. Uh, Matt, you've got a CMB hat and a a kitchen clock necklace, (laughs) and you weighed 120 pounds. Yeah, and you're you're very Caucasian from Wisconsin. Yeah, I think you're maybe the most awesome person I know. Well, I, I, try I to think be. I try to be. Well, I feel like it's all been building towards this beautiful friendship that you and I. Have. <laughs> Would you? Since we're we're just, I'm going to just derail this whole thing right here. But, this is more normally what I do, but go ahead. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Now it's my turn. Okay, bring um, it. I think I would look really cool uh, when when I wore my Yo MTB Raps shirt too that I got. That is cool. <laughs> That is cool, From man. I'd run home to watch your MTV raps. Wait, now, how old are you, Pat? I am 43. 
Okay. I've always thought that was an interesting microcosm, like narrow margin between me and 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 my brother Jason, who's five years older than me, because I'm forty and Jason's forty five. I I totally got absorbed into rap culture, mm-hmm. and Jason like just missed. It. Like Jason's not anti-rap; he's got some stuff he likes. But like Jason was like into the '80s metal, you know, hair Kiss yeah. and and not well, you know, like Kiss. But I was thinking more like Poison and, okay. and oh, Guns and Roses. Yeah, I like that. And, Guns and Roses, and I and I like them too. Van but like, but like I got absorbed into rap culture, and Jason Jason did, didn't. And I always felt like that was a real that was like a very turning point. In, in our youth, like like yeah. like rap showed up just rap showed up like just after Jason had formed his musical identity. Mm-hmm. And uh, video and, games was kind of the same way too, you know. That's, yeah, that's true. You really got caught up in the video game culture, and I, I I'm to this day I'm like board games all the way, man. <laughs> I just don't do much video games. Well, anyway, <laughs> so August seventeenth, CDs were induced to the public in Germany. <laughs> There's probably okay. some stuff. Woo, than, that was a long segue. More Back than onto that to path. Yep. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what happened in August 18th there, Jason? On the very next day, you have the longest baseball game at Wrigley Field, Chicago, Illinois. It ends after 22 innings. The Los Angeles Dodgers finally defeated the Cubs 2-1. to one. My beloved Dodgers. You needed a couple boxes of Cracker Jacks apparently wow. for for that for that game, but they oh. they pulled it off. Look at the, the little set I, note. Yeah, the yeah, game actually started started on the seventeenth. So actually started the day before, but it ended on damn twenty two. Damn, that is God. a long game. Gosh, man! I, and they probably stopped insane. serving beer like at nine o'clock. <laughs> Man, they're I, probably still there when they started serving again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's probably true. <laughs> Goodness, that is. I wonder, like, how much time, like, duration. I mean, I'm sure we could look it up, but like, how much? What the overall duration was? Because I, gosh, that is insane. That's uh, that's almost three games right there. Man, I I once went to an Auburn football game where we played Syracuse, and it was a late kickoff. It started at 8 p.m. And that game went into triple overtime. Mm-hmm. We didn't get out of there until like midnight, one in the morning. But this has got to be longer than that. <laughs> yeah, boy. Oh. Wow. Well, I remember once uh, baseball memory. I was in Egypt during the the playoffs, and I guess this must have been around two thousand ninety nine, two thousand something like that. And it was the Mets and the Braves. My friend Eloy was a big Braves fan, and. Uh, because of the time change and everything, we were um, like we were watching it pretty late, and that game went like fourteen, fifteen innings, and I was just like, "Oh my god, when is this ever going to end?" So I got about two hours of sleep, then I had to start my shift the next day. <laughs> That's kind of about how you're going to feel tomorrow after we're knowing this podcast. No, nah, I'm going to be all right. I'm going to go to bed regular time. You guys. <laughs> <laughs> I guess I should move along. Yeah. Okay, on uh, <laughs> on August twentieth, the United States Marines landed in Beirut, Lebanon. I'm sure there was just for you know fun and adventure. It's just a just a just a vacation. Uh, what happened on the twenty first? I wonder. On uh, August twenty first, Palestinian terrorists are dispersed from Beirut. So we find out what the U.S. Marines were doing there. There you go. Didn't take that long. No. Jason's going to bring it back to baseball here. 
Well, that's oh, yeah. a yeah. August twenty first, Rolly Fingers of the of your beloved Brewers becomes Brew-coo. the first pit, pitcher to get his save number three hundred. Go Rolly Fingers! And he had an epic mustache. Well, mm-hmm. he, did he did, man. He looked like a he looked like a straight up villain, but that guy could pitch. Go Brewers! About eight days after that, on August 29th, Ingrid Bergman, the Swedish actress famous for Casablanca and Gaslight, she died on her 67th birthday. So I got stuck with both the celebrity deaths. <laughs> Jason got all the baseball and Pat, bring it home in Beirut. Well, on August 30th, the PLO leader Yasser Arafat leaves Beirut. And there's all the news that's fit to print. Yep. Mm-hmm. Let's roll into the movies. And for August of 1982, who's next on the list here? That would be bring it back to Jason. Tell us about the movies, man. Uh, it's The Last American Virgin. The name sounds familiar, but I couldn't tell you anything about it. Comedy that brought in almost $6 million. Yeah, same here. I, name sounds familiar, but I couldn't tell you. I remember it. Probably watched it on the HBO. On the HBO. I know where I heard it from. It was one of those early canon movies. I watched, there's a, there's a great... Um, uh, documentary on Netflix called Electric Boogaloo. That that that, oh, that I haven't watched this one yet. Yeah, it goes over sort of the rise and fall of the Canon films, and that was sort of like one of their first big. Chuck Norris. Yeah, Chuck Norris uh, was a big uh, vehicle for Canon. Canon ended up doing the fourth Superman movie. Um, Canon really kind of built themselves up into something from just making kind of throwaway, crappy little films that still had a bit of charm to them. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, that's where I heard about it. Anyway. Sorry. Uh, so I guess that brings it to me. Um, on August 6th, uh, the Pink Floyd's The Wall uh, was released. I'm only familiar with the album. I, I actually, I'm going to be honest with you, I'm unaware that there is an accompanying film. I'm sure there's plenty of people who are upset that I didn't know that, but I didn't. But it did very well at the box office. I've never seen The Wall. I'm just familiar with the album. Very good album oh. and the movie. Pretty artsy movie from that. The wall was too high, he could not break free. Sorry. <laughs> well, it just goes to show Jason knows that one. And- um, you can't get any pudding if you don't eat your meat. <laughs> we don't need no education. Now, what I can contribute to this is that 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 album, uh, even on compact disc, which was released in Germany this, in August of 82, which you would think would be fairly common and you could probably pick up the wall. Uh, I don't know how common it is, but, I, you know, I sell a lot on eBay and I found a Pink Floyd, the wall, you know, two disc CD set at a yard sale, picked it up for a dollar. Uh, I got like 40 or 50 bucks for it. Wow. And people like there's a it's nuanced as all get out. I had multiple people contacting me asking me for like the print like inside this uh, a cd inside the, the smaller circle there's like a little series of numbers that tells you what print series it's from oh wow. and i had guys well, what print series numbers is it and i'm like man there's a collector's market for every bit of the wall so yeah anyway that's how you know you scored some because i had the same thing i got i've scored a beatles revolver album just at a yard sale and uh, same thing people were contacting me asking me what's the serial number what's the stamp look like what's the what's the little label on the album look like i was like dang i had no idea yeah, yeah. Opened up a can of worms. Well, also on August 6th, uh, the pirate movie came out as well, too. I kind of remember that movie. I got nothing. <sighs> I got nothing on that. Well, following it up on August 9th was uh, 
movie called The Nest that doesn't look like it made any money on its uh, domestic box office. Maybe it's a foreign film. I don't know. Got nothing. Nothing. Um, I know the um, next one, though. Uh, yeah, this this is interesting because uh, on August 13th, it was Fast Times at Ridgemont High, which is a very cult classic comedy, and I am exceptionally well-versed in film. I've seen the thousands and thousands of movies, but this one is in my blind spot. I have not seen it to this day. You've never seen this movie? I have never seen it. It's one of those movies when I you tell people You better get that, the class, Spicoli. Hola, Mr. Hand. Hola, Mr. Hand. I got nothing. This is all very funny to you guys, but I, my greatest, my Red greatest Rocker co- sung. Oh, sorry. I was going to say Red Rocker. Sang, uh, Sammy Hagar sang the title song. Mm-hmm. I, I still, whenever I talk to people, my biggest blind spots in movies are I've never seen Fast Times and I've never seen any of the Godfather films. Hmm. Well, you got to see but Fast in, Times. I, and it's on my radar. I'll get to it. But uh, the next movie on our list I have seen, and I'm jealous that Pat gets to bring this one in. But go ahead, Pat. Next one on the list uh, it came out the same time of August 13th is Friday the 13th, Part 3. I'm sure I saw it, but I don't even remember what yeah. on this one. They all, well, here's what's going on. There's a killer who okay. kills teenagers. <laughs> <laughs> Here's what I can tell you about Friday the 13th Part 3, why this one is a very important one in the series. Part 3, you know, the killer is Jason Voorhees, which made Jason's life, my brother Jason's life, harder when he was a kid. It did. Because the name Jason got very tied in with the horror thing. Yeah. But, but, was Jason but, and everybody wrong. Yeah. yeah. Oh, let me just do uh, a pop it up. Let me just do a pop quiz question with you, with you, Pat or Jason. Feel feel free to chime in. Uh, when people say Jason Voorhees, what iconic imagery comes to mind? The, ho- the, the hockey, the hockey mask. The hockey mask does not appear in parts one or two. It does not show up until part three. Ooh. I finally watched part one, and I was like, "Where's the hockey mask?" <laughs> so yeah. Well, well spoiler know, alert: it was uh, his mother was the killer in part one. Yep. Jason yep. wasn't even the killer. I, he shows up in part two in the entirety of part two. He wears like a potato sack over his head. It's not till part yep. three that he picks up the hockey mask. And, and that's smooth sailing after that. Smooth sailing after that. Seven more. How many were there? Uh, there has been, Eight, if you count nine? the reboot, if you count the reboot, there's been 11. Oh. No, scratch that because you count Freddy versus Jason. That will take us to 12. I think we're due for another one. Hell yeah. Just to you, you know, do you, a revamp. Did you count Jason X? I did, because that's part 10. Oh. Jason X is 10, and then oh, Freddy versus Jason. Right. Yep. <laughs> Freddy versus Jason is 11. It's and then Roman the, numeral. I got it. The, uh, the reboot makes 12. The reboot actually was pretty good. I enjoyed that. But anyway, uh, I like I like the, the, the horror films uh, from time to time. But anyway, I jumped in on Pat's. Pat, okay. Pat had Friday the 13th. That's all I got on it. Yep. Go ahead and take the next one, Jason. <laughs> Where were we? Oh, the soldier sounds cool. Yeah. Don't. I, I know there's a movie called Soldier with Kurt Russell, but that was I'm really sure good. That's not it. That was and really good. I don't Universal know Soldier. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That was yeah. a good one. Uh, also on that same day was a little known movie. At least it's a little known to me. A comedy called Tempest. I got nothing on the comedy called Tempest. I got nothing. Oh, Pat, you're so lucky. Oh, Pat, you lucky son. Yes. On <laughs> August 20th. Oh, the best, the movie that came out. Oh, August 20th, The Beastmaster. Oh, oh yeah. 
Yeah. Such a good well, movie. it's you do like like the D and D stuff, so yeah. I guess it's it's only fair you get Beastmaster. Yeah. But, I uh, what was it? Is that Mark Singer? Is Mark Singer the Beastmaster? Or am I making that Sounds. up? Sounds. You could be right. I'm not. I didn't know who it was. To this day, I don't know who it is. But I just know. I think he went on to be on on V. I think that was Mark Singer who went. Oh, you know what? I think so. Right. Yep, it was Mark Singer. V is awesome. I was just looking it up. I love V too. Yes, indeed. Man, look at that. uh, That poster just rocks. Man, those '80s posters had it going on. Yeah. Uh, Well, Jason, you and I got to bring some crap home. Yeah, it doesn't really uh, pick up after Beastmaster. I got uh, Class of 1984 drama. Yeah. I got nothing. I got a movie called Homework. It's a comedy. Got nothing. (laughs) And I'll uh, end it here with Jekyll and Hyde together again. A comedy. I I don't have anything on, but but just based off its title, I want to see it. I got got nothing and don't got no need for it. All right. All right. So we should all watch Beastmaster again. Yeah. Oh, yeah. While we listen, like, we're going to watch Beastmaster, but we're going to turn down the audio and just crank Color Me Bad <laughs> while we watch Beastmaster. Color me back. Color me back. <laughs> color, color, you know what? You can color me Beastmaster. <laughs> color me Beastmaster. <laughs> I want to sex you up. It's going to be stuck in my head. I want to beast you up. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> Well, speaking of songs, <laughs> go, go ahead. Some of these guys sound real familiar, I think, because uh, some of these are still hanging around in the top the mm-hmm. top spots. Number three is uh, Arthur's theme, which uh, how did that go again, Pat? Once in your life, you find her, someone who turns your heart around, and next thing you know, you're closing down the town. Oh, I thought we were doing it together. <laughs> oh, it's a no, it's crazy. Yeah, it's <laughs> but but it's true. <laughs> the best that you can do. That's the best that you can do. He's falling in love. <laughs> The number two song at the time was Start Me Up by the Rolling Stones. Yeah, 
number one is near and dear to my heart because I went to the greatest university on the planet, Auburn University. And at the beginning of every sporting event, we play... We play Eye of the Tiger by Survivor. For those of us who you know remember 1982 well in the summer of 82, that must mean one thing and one thing only that uh, we've got something coming our way on these movies. Probably next uh, next go round of movies is because that's off the Rocky Three soundtrack, which uh, uh-huh. which yep. is great. Eye of the Tiger is a, is a great song. Now that was on the was it also on the Vital Signs album by Survivor? Got me. You got yeah, me on that. I think so. Think or you're was right. it on their other album? I can't remember. I think it was on Vital Signs. Yeah, that was a cool. That's a good album too. A little tidbit for Eye of the Tiger. You know, I think Alburn probably got this from my wedding. Is <laughs> go on. Yeah, you know when 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 two people fall in love, and they get married. They have a they have a you know what you call a, a, a gathering of family and friends to celebrate their time together. <laughs> And during during this ritual, the couple is asked to come out and you know get you know come out with their posse, their you know their bride and groommates and all that, bridesmaids and groommates. And uh, me and my wife, we came out to Eye of the Tiger. <clears throat> that's pretty sweet, you know. That is fun. pretty cool. I do have so I do have some bad news though. I, so so all those all those nerds that are firing us angry tweets. Eye of the Tiger is not on Vital Signs. Oh, uh, High on You was oh, the that's one a good song. that's on. That was the big hit off of Vital Signs. And and uh, and and our slow song that me and my wife danced to is off of Vital Signs. We danced to uh, the search is over. How can I convince you? What you see is real. Who am I to blame you? For doubting what you feel I was always reaching You were just a girl I knew I took for granted 
the friend I have in you. I was living for a dream, loving for a moment, taking on the world. That was just my style. Now I look into you. Oh, there it is. Yeah, that was another big hit off of that. Because she was there with me all the time. There's also I Can't Hold Back. That was a, I Can't Hold Back, I'm on the edge. Yeah. That's a, yeah. That was a good album. Yeah, that's my wife my, my wife and I went with Me So Horny by Two Life Crew. <laughs> With I Want oh. Your Sex by George Michael. Come on. <laughs> what can you get for two dollars? <laughs> With that note, that's going to bring us to the end of this part of the show. <laughs> He's still trying to follow the script. It's yeah. so cute. You got a comment? Bring us in for a crash landing here, Pat. You, you got a comment or question? Like the way we handle things? Let us know. Send us an email at contact at longboxcrusade.com. And I mean, seriously, send us an email. It hasn't gotten any. I just want to make sure that it works. Even if you just send us an email saying it works, uh, that'd be very helpful. Or a damn recipe. <laughs> yeah, send Pat a recipe. Send us a recipe. Come on. Uh, you can also follow. Just copy read. and paste. Google, copy, paste into the email, hit send. <laughs> We're done. We'll even cook it. Jared's going to cook it and eat it and tell you what he thinks of it. With that, we'll be right back. Hey, folks, this is Jared Albrick, a.k.a. the Yard Sale Artist and semi-regular co-host of the Longbox Crusade podcast with Pat Sampson. Pat came to me recently with a fantastic idea on how we might get the podcast community involved in taking some action to do some good. He called this idea Comics for Courage. Comics for Courage is a concept that came to Pat after I told him the fantastic true story of when I was stationed in Iraq during my military service. While there, I received a huge care package of comic books from the awesome folks over at Wizard and Toy Fair magazines. We had so many comics, we didn't know what to do with them all. Seriously, it was over 100 pounds of comics. So me and a couple of buddies took the bounty of comics we had down to the give-and-take library we'd set up in our headquarters building. And you know what? Within 24 hours, all the comics were gone. The bottom line here is that throughout history, World War II, Korea, Vietnam, Iraq, one thing remains a constant. Soldiers love comics. It's quick, easy, fun reading that gives a soldier a taste of home and lets them escape into an amazing world of comics, even if it's just for a few minutes. So here's the best part of Comics for Courage. Pat and I aren't asking you to donate one cent of your money to Comics for Courage. 
what we would love is for you to donate your excess comics. You know those ones that are just kind of laying around. Just drop them into a box or a big envelope and mail them over to supportourtroops.org. Their mailing address is Support Our Troops, 13617 North Florida Avenue, Tampa, Florida, 33613. Now, they will make sure that those comics get distributed to random soldier care packages. And as a person who's been on the receiving end of this, I can tell you it will mean a lot. And if you'd rather donate money than give up a single comic book, trust me, we understand about that. You can donate through their website as well. Again, that's supportourtroops.org. Just remember two things, all right? Two things. One, make sure the comics have good, clean content. No nudity or adults-only comics, please. Those are the rules for any military member receiving goods downrange. Okay, and number two, this is the fun one. Please take a picture of you with your donation stack and post it on Twitter or Facebook at Longbox Crusade. Or email it to contact at longboxcrusade.com. We'd love to give you an on-air shout-out and post your pick on the longboxcrusade.com website. In summary, Pat and I over at Longbox Crusade Podcast would greatly appreciate you taking this small action to make a difference in the life of someone who is far from home defending our freedoms. Thank you for supporting the Comics for Courage initiative. That website, again, is supportourtroops.org. Please check it out. Throw them some comics. Make some soldiers happy. We appreciate it. Thanks again. Welcome back. We hope you enjoyed the promo for Comics for Courage. And we hope you would become part of the team to support this initiative. And that's the show. Well, Jared and Jason, where can the listeners find you on the internet? We'll start with Jared. This, well, we always start with Jared this time, don't we? Yeah, start with Jason. Yeah, let's start with Jason. Because, you know, he can, be, he can be found at a couple of places now. He's getting out there. That's yeah. right. I'm, I'm starting to get out there. That, that's true. So, well, thanks, Pat. Yeah, you people can find me at uh, Jason Albrick on uh, Facebook. Uh, I am on Twitter now, I think, somehow. <laughs> Somebody should tell me what my handle is. Jason <laughs> underscore Albrick. There we go. He's and uh, I'll start. Jason underscore Albrick. <laughs> and I'll start, uh, I'll start using that, that as well. I'm also on Instagram. Jason Albrick on Instagram, and uh, uh, that's it. Nice. Cool. And Jared, how about you with all your internet endeavors? Well, uh, just to help out everybody, Albrick is hard to spell. That's A-L-B-E-R-I-C-H. I'm just helping Jason out there because it is hard to spell. It doesn't appear in any of my stuff, which is lengthy and about to begin now uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Yard Sale Artist on Facebook. I am also Yard Sale Artist. If you're interested in my art endeavors, you can uh, stop by my webpage, which is theyardsaleartist.com, or my blog, which is yardsaleartist.blogspot.com. That's a good place to catch up with whatever latest art I'm doing or the comic books that I'm working on uh, over at White Rocket. Uh, speaking of which, if you're more interested in my podcast lifestyle, I co-host a pod, uh, podcast called On Her Majesty's Secret Podcast over at www.whiterocket.podbean.com. It is also available on iTunes. Uh, you just have to look for the White Rocket Entertainment Network that way. I also host my own podcast called Comics with Normies, which can be found on the Twitter at, uh, at Normies Comics, also on the Facebook, which is Comics with Normies. 
that is also part of the White Rocket Entertainment Network. So if you go to iTunes and you subscribe to White Rocket Entertainment, you're going to get a few shows that Van does, which are okay, but you'll also get my shows, which are Comics with Normies and on our Majesty Secret podcast, which are awesome. Uh, aside from that, I've got some other secret secret podcast uh, missions in the works, which only Pat and I know about. Yeah, well, one was given away in an in a earlier tweet, so if you're by the time you listen to this, you you might know what we're talking about. I I hinted at it in yes. a tweet. I didn't tell him what it was. Yeah. We I didn't to, tell him. We may need be to a drop story. a little bit more. Yeah, it'll be cool. It'll, we'll just drop little hints about the podcast that we're going to do that takes video games that are made from comic books and we what? talk about them. Ah, damn it. Damn it. <laughs> now, see, so you got to bleep that part out. you got to bleep it out. <laughs> see, I didn't cuss at all this time. Well, um, <laughs> that's much better. I just want to say uh, to Jared, congratulations on the Comics with Normies. At the time we're recording, the first episode has gone out. Uh, very enjoyable. So, people, if you're not listening to it, go out and listen to it. First, listen to this, then go to him. <laughs> <laughs> That's fine with me. This is where I got my big break. Pat gave me my big break. So oh, thanks for the props, Pat. But thanks for having me on your show, which really kind of got me fired up about doing my own show. So like you said, you you are the you are the spawn of uh, of of Aaron, right, Aaron? And now I'm the spawn of you. So I guess That's Aaron's my grandfather. Ah, there you go. Uh, so anyway, yeah, no, I'm awesome. Thanks, man. You're welcome. Yeah, thanks, Pat. Thanks, uh, thanks for having me as well. It's been been a, a lot of fun and uh, i get to read comments and hang out with you and my brother and uh, make new friends like uh, skinny joe so <laughs> there you go skinny joe now you got to follow him on twitter i will yeah, i will i'll follow you guys too i we promise can, as shag would say we're building a community that's right follow skinny joe and alman ellis alman remember he sponsored this episode <laughs> this episode has been sponsored by alman ellis thank you <laughs> yeah <laughs> So, well, with that, I want to thank you and everyone else uh, for listening, and we hope you had enjoyed this episode of The Longbox Crusade. One more time, if you got a comment or question, email us at contact at Longbox Crusade or leave a comment on the Facebook or Twitter page. Until next time, take care, and please join us on the next episode as we continue on the crusade to read them all. Read them all. Read them all. Ah, <laughs> we lost Jason again. <laughs> I got it. No, I was like, I said it. Songs, sound clips, and characters discussed are copyrighted of their respective copyright holders, and no infringement is intended. We make no money on this podcast. It is for entertainment purposes only. We are just fans that like to share our love of comics, movies, and music. I smell outtakes. (laughs) Hello? (laughs) What's up? (laughs) I just realized I'm not doing my job on this show. It's all I'm going to try real hard not to bump my mic so much this time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
haven't got to the point yet. I was listening to Carr um, yesterday and today, and I still haven't got to the point where you guys talk about the issue at all. <laughs> hey, we like to give our listeners an experience, you know, not just a, not just what we advertise, but we want to give them an experience. Exactly. That's what it's all about. I was just about to remark, I like how Jason joined Twitter, and apparently he followed Washington Ecology, but he didn't follow his own brother. <laughs> He's got out. one follower, and it's me, I, but he didn't follow me back. I did join. I did put your um, the, long, the Longbox Crusade into my um, favorite podcast. Oh, well, that was nice of you. Yeah. <laughs> so, so. I kind of like the Crusade Network, but okay. then again, people will think it's like a religious thing. <laughs> oh, <honey. laughs> that's, that's all right. Get a bunch of uh, religious followers coming after. After I I finish reading, I'll be like, and and that ends the second book of Joe. Amen. (laughs) (laughs) And then the thing slew Angel. I meant David slew Goliath. (laughs) And we all said, Yo, Joe. (laughs) Yo, Joe. I meant Yahweh. (laughs) Everybody have a sip of Yo, Joe Cola. I'm I'm blasting Jason on Twitter right now, by the way. Are you? Why are you blasting me on Twitter? <laughs> I'm doing a tweet. My brother, at Jason Albrecht, just got on Twitter and immediately followed his job and not his brother. <laughs> I, I'll figure it out. And I'm gonna add a really. I'm gonna add a sad gift to it. I followed you on the on on Instagram. Wait, I'm not even on Instagram. <laughs> ah, I'm so funny. But I got. I think you should go there. in and and just edit, like seriously, edit everything Jason said to make him sound crazy. You know. <laughs> <laughs> I'll play it backwards. <laughs> we should all murder Gary Coleman. <laughs> what? I'll say that forwards. <laughs> I think he's dead. He doesn't even follow his own brother on Facebook. <laughs> oh, here we go. Yeah. Ah, dang. You got three followers now. Oh, did you follow him? Yeah. He's going to break your heart. <laughs> I'll, I'll mute him. <laughs> You've already oh. been muted. He hasn't even tweeted yet. He's muted. Here we go. Some kind of awesome podcast that you're not listening to. Welcome back. We hope you enjoyed the promo for insert promo name here. (laughs) We should do an episode where you just believe it or not. It's just a podcast (laughs) promo. Pat used to his Pat's old episodes. If you go back far enough, Jason, you'll find Pat's episodes were like thirty or forty-five minutes. Yeah. And then he then he invited me on one time, and we're just stretching. They just better kick back and pop some bubbly and enjoy the evening. Still there? Yep. Yeah, we're here. okay. Sounded like you dropped off there. No, we just muted you on Twitter. Yeah, we muted. Oh, okay. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think his name is Skinny Joe Fan. Skinny Joe. And, yeah, Skinny, Skinny Joe. Joe. Skinny Joe. Skinny Joe. <laughs> and Skinny how, Joe. how amped he Joe. was for it. Yeah, he said something about us not really paying attention, but I guess I wasn't really listening. To <laughs> I, was, I wasn't listening either. <laughs> Right, right after midnight. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this thing just falls apart. Uh, it's always around the movies. Yeah. I've noticed. And I think, it, well, I got the Bobby Brown remix too. 
<laughs> when I get weak, I'm going to take control. If it's too cold, up to too cold us. The color goes bucket in, in, in control. <laughs> you know what? I have that soundtrack CD, too. It's got some Dougie Fresh on it. Oh, Dougie. Yep. Yeah, it's, Dougie, got, Dougie. Uh, it's got some, I think, Run DMC. Ooh, Spirit. Run some DMC. people hear it. Some people fear it. Spirit. Some people just won't go near it. Have a good night. Yeah. Hit you up on the Twitter. Mute him. <laughs> I'm going to figure this Twitter thing out.